What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bullish Rippers. This is Evan, better known as Stock Market News on Twitter. Every Monday at 9.20 a.m. Eastern and Friday at 4 p.m., myself and my co-host, Wolf underscore Financial, also known as Gov, put on these spaces to help you guys get ready for the week ahead in the market and then get caught up on the week just passed. Our goal is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you guys a little bit. We really appreciate you tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, it's 9.20 a.m., uh, I can put out this tweet. Vegas is here. If you would like to get started, we can get started. Or if you want to wait a minute, we can wait a minute. Let's wait a minute, get the tweet out so I can retweet it and we can get a couple of people in here. Okay. Let me go ahead and just find this. Go. All right. Any, what's, what stocks are up big besides Peloton right now? Yeah, let me go and tell you. We had a couple earnings this morning. Uh, we can get right into it. Let me go and check this. Stocks that I own that have moved significantly. Let's see. We got JP Morgan. Oh, no, never mind. I was going to say up 2%. Didn't make sense. Baba's looking like it's gapping down about 5%. Interesting. And that's about it. All right. That. Um, let's see. That tweet is out. Perfect. Let me go in and retweet it. Hey, Vegas. And we got Tyson Foods that, that reported earnings about up 5%. I'll let you go to Vegas, though. Oh, I just said hi to Vegas. Hi, guys. And hi, everyone. Um, definitely watching um, Mara today, too, because uh, with Bitcoin popping on the weekend, uh, Mara is uh, looking good for uh, day trade. And uh, I like that it's over this, well, this level here, 2506. A uh, bit of a room to about maybe twenty six, twenty six fifty nine, but I definitely, you know, my stop would be like twenty three seventy five. But Mara can move fast, so if there's action in the Bitcoin, Mara for sure has some action here. Nice. We'll keep, definitely keeping an eye on that. Okay, uh, Evan, nine twenty two. Got about a hundred people in here. Should we uh, get rolling? Yep, I am down. I got a couple of the stories. Uh, wasn't the most active or most jam-packed day of news, but still never the day, a a normal Monday morning. We tend to get a lot of stuff coming out around now. So a couple earnings we did have this morning. First of all, I'm going to start off with Hasbro, which reported earnings of EPS of $1.21, beating expectations of $0.88, cents, and then revenue of $2.01 billion, which beat expectations of $1.87 billion. They also came in with a dividend hike, a quarterly dividend hike going for from $0.68, cents, now up to $0.70 cents per share. Uh, I did also just see a headline from the conference call with the C... Ooh, this was actually the CFO. Sorry, like a, put a tweet. Adjust that. Okay, did that. Uh, but yeah, the CFO, Deborah Thomas, actually said that Hasbro's business with Disney, specifically through the Disney Princesses and the Frozen brand, has averaged approximately $250 in revenue per year for Hasbro, with that number peaking in 2019. This is actually also today in 1997 is when Steve Jobs returned to Apple after leaving the company for 10 years. Um, Apple agreed to acquire a, a software company called Next, and under under lowercase e and then X and T were uppercase. Uh, this had re- Steve Jobs return initially as an advisor before becoming the interim CEO, nine months later holding the title for the next, what, 14 years until August 2011 when he had to step down for health issues. 
Uh, continuing on, we have Nissan Motors came out this morning to say they're going to end development of new internal combustion engines for the Japanese, Chinese, and European markets to focus mainly uh, on resources for EVs. And that's according to Nikkei Asia. I believe this was one of the first Japanese companies to go ahead and do something like this. Uh, I will double check into that. Yeah, this is the first Japanese company to make such a, such a move, such a decision like this. And there are a, a couple Japanese automakers out there. Uh, Frontier Airlines and Spirit Airlines announced they are going to be merging. Uh, these are, I don't know exactly where they're in there, but these are some of the leading low-cost airlines. The deal will be valued at $6.6 billion and a structure that Frontier Airlines will be holding about 51.5% of the combined company, leaving the, the remaining 48.5% to uh, Spirit Airlines shareholders. Moving on, another airline story for some reason this morning was American Airlines and Goal Airlines, which is from Brazil. Uh, American Airlines agreed to invest $200 million in Goal Airlines through newly issued preferred shares. This is a part of a kind of a, a larger ongoing deal uh, through stuff, but I wasn't able to fully look into it. It was it did look a little more complicated than, than was on the surface. So if this is something you are into, I would say dig a little deeper into that story. Uh, moving on, we have On Semiconductor, ticker ON, which reported earnings this morning. They posted EPS of $1.09 which beat expectations of 94 cents. And then they reported EP, uh, sorry, revenue of 1.85 billion, which beat expectations of 1.79 billion. I'm quickly going over to check on the stock price, but it's not loading, of course, because why would it? Continuing on, actually it's up about 6%. Uh, the next earnings I have in front of me is Tyson Foods, ticker TSN. They reported earnings posting EPS of $2.87 which beat expectations of $1.93. And they came in with revenue of $12.93 billion, which beat expectations of $12.17 billion. The stock is moving higher. In pre-markets, it's up about between 8 to 9% right now. We had a Tesla story. They came out and gave us a little bit more information on their Bitcoin holdings. They said as of December 31st, their, the value of the Bitcoin on their balance sheet was about $1.99 billion. Uh, they did sell a little bit in a prior point and i know they bought about 1.5 billion worth so they are definitely still up on that bitcoin buy uh there was another headline that came out they said they took a 120 million eight million dollar gain on certain sales of bitcoin by the company in 2021 i do believe this is not new information and this was what we heard on the first conference call after they initially bought the bitcoin where they said they sold some to i believe that the wording then was to test the processes work and everything like that um, but I did see another headline came out, you know, I, I, to saying, uh, let me actually dig a little bit deeper into the report for the Tesla Bitcoin thing. But I want to get some of the specific wording there on, on how they were using it. Uh, a couple stories from over the weekend. We had a Spotify story. I, I don't really want to get too in, in depth into everything with the Joe Rogan. But uh, Spotify CEO Daniel Eck confirmed that the company removed dozens of Joe Rogan podcasts and apologized to employees. He did also come out and say that they would not be fully removing Joe Rogan from the platform. Uh, but yeah, definitely an ongoing situation right there that I know is front and center for a lot of investors. Can to continue to see if there was any other big stories from over the weekend? The, uh, I'll leave us here. The Peloton story and news stuff that has been going on, which has been getting a, a lot of attention. 
There was a little bit ago where, you know, some people were saying Apple should buy them and do whatever. We are now at the stage where there have been some rumors that that companies are actually actively looking around. There were reports that Nike and Amazon are both considering putting in bids for Peloton. It is very important to recognize that they are just in preliminary stages and these are still considerations. Neither company has reportedly, uh, this is according to Financial Times, neither company has reached out to Peloton officially. Uh, they are just kind of reaching out to their people internally and getting advisors and everything like that, seeing what if it makes sense for the company. Uh, there's been a lot of reports coming out today about Apple and whatever getting around it. There's been no concrete evidence that Apple is considering it and looking for looking to bid for Peloton. Just a lot of stories from analysts. I believe one was what Bush, maybe a couple other ones saying that the, the deal makes most sense for Apple. Uh, that's all we're, we're hearing in that. So nothing con- concrete on Apple considering Peloton. There has been some decent rumors from good sources that Amazon or Nike are both considering it, but still have not reached out yet. So uh, we'll see how that story develops. I think that's decent coverage. I got us right over to 929. I know we, I'll throw it back to you, Gov, for some market open talk. Okay, let's go to it. So like Evan pointed out, we look slightly green here at the open. I can pull up the exact numbers for futures, but it probably won't matter in about a minute. So looking at SP 500 futures at 0.09, Dow Jones at 0.06, Stock 600 at 0.45. So pretty flat here. I'm seeing off the bat, um, yeah, most of my stocks are within that 1% range. So nothing's really up more than 1%. Nothing's down more than 1%. I see Square edging down a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. Palantir up 1.16. We did mention the Peloton news where that's kind of flying. Tesla attempting to hold some key levels here. So it was Tesla up was, about... Yeah. yeah. I was just about to say that, were you? Yeah, it was up about uh, a percent or so and has fallen since back down to about flat. So we're at 9.30 a.m. Get open. Stock Talk Weekly, you're here with us. What are you watching at the open? Um, I mean, at the open, I'm just watching the indexes. Uh, made a nice little scalp on fun. Pre-market, the PR was leaked last night. A lot of people did not know about that. Um, so that was an easy trade, kind of just trading the, the PR that we knew was coming. Um and then kind of watching AMC, if AMC forfeits 15, I'm probably looking to go short. Um, Sarah talked about that last night on Play of the Week as well, but um, it's a play I've been looking to get puts on for a while. Um, you know, we'll see today if, if the index shows some relative strength, maybe AMC will hold up. But if AMC gives up that 15 handle, then I'm going to want to get short there. Um, also keeping an eye on DWAC, great strength last week. Let's see. If the buyers can hold it up this week and then watching Bitcoin mining stocks as well with Bitcoin, uh, you know, pushing 43K, I think these will all run today. So um, that's kind of what my watch list was centered around. Also really looking at semiconductors this week, I think running up into NVIDIA's earnings next week. um, Those could be a good watch uh, as well. So keeping an eye on those also. Perfect. Uh, Vegas, I see. I know you came with a couple plays. Looks like DWAC's already popping off. Um, you want to share some of those? 
Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, so DWAC, we know uh, a lot of money flow has flowed in here. So definitely in the 110 calls for Feb 18, those are currently around. The spread's a bit wild, though. So if you can get it on a pullback, even better. Uh, they're currently around 440 on the ask, 325 on bid. So see if you can wait for a pullback. So DWAC, looking for that to go maybe towards $100 on a swing level. And uh, also uh, watching uh, Facebook uh, for today in particular, looking for, to, you know, to see if Facebook can actually break um, the level that I'm looking for to break 241. If it breaks 241, then we'll look to take it for a day trade. And then if it was to break 245, then I'll roll up and go into a swing. So those are the the two that I'm watching. And DWAC now the spreads are getting tighter now for 110 calls for Feb 18. They're around four and 420 now. So I like the spreads getting tighter, and looks good for the for the move to the upside. Okay, DWAC, and what was the other ticker there? Uh, the other one was Facebook, waiting for the break of 241 for a day trade, and then we'll go long uh, if it breaks 245. But if it can break 241 today then we'll definitely uh, take a day trade and um, and uh, looking for that to head towards, you know, 243 and 245, if it can break 241 today. Okay, perfect. Keeping an eye on DWAC and Facebook. I see DWAC pulling back a little bit from where it was at. Facebook going red on the day now, down 0.3%. So keeping an eye there. AMC was also mentioned by Stock Talk. AMC is, I believe... Green and headed upwards of 3.17% on the day right now. Just taking a look at options activity that's coming in. Uh, nothing too crazy yet. Something on KBH. Not really uh, too familiar with that. Is the only thing KB Home that I've been uh, alerted for just yet. It does look like it's starting to make a move upwards. Oh, yep. I just got the alert from uh, Snorlax too. Okay. So that's one thing to keep an eye on is KBH. May take a look at that, but let's keep going around with our speakers. Matt, what are you watching today? Hey, guys. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having me as always. I'm in the middle of opening up the day. Uh, this is week two of my small account challenge, and I think this uh, week's going to be probably the flattest week we've seen in a while. I really think we still trade down over the next two weeks in general just because we're looking at uh, a lot of things going on, but major earnings next week. So this week doesn't have a really a lot of excitement coming to it. I think we're going to respond very violently to rumors or anything that comes through, but uh, but probably revert back to the middle. This morning, I'm looking at the index uh, products straight up. So SPY, QQQ. Um, we are seeing a uh, 446.5 low for today for SPY, I think is where I'm expecting a pivot. So at least to test Friday's lows if we do have a dip. Um, I might scoop it up and just day trade it. I'm not looking to pick any plays this week. I think that the market really is still um, range-bound. I don't think that anything yet is screaming at me to go buy it. Um, but if I am looking at something for next week, it's going to be the, the semiconductors. I'm a huge fan of NVIDIA. I think NVIDIA is going to do well. I think after we get through next week's earnings, I think that's the first place I'm going to start when I look for a rally. So... At least getting getting the week open, uh, nothing looks strong out the door today on our end. So I'm not really, I'm just going to try to like find the bottom of the range and kind of trade it back to middle and, and close out. So mostly day trades today. Uh, the other thing I'm really watching is crude oil. Um, we've had, I, there was some news about uh, Russia mobilizing any minute now, something could happen. 
And that caused a couple spikes in crude oil, but we're now retreating off of those highs from those spikes. Um, and typically in my history of looking at crude oil is that you, you they price in the rumor and usually sell the news. So I'm kind of keeping an eye out on that. Uh, and obviously with the rally over the weekend with Bitcoin, uh, we, there was a gap up over the um, Sunday. So I'm trying to see that gap kind of fills and, and returns back down. To, there's a huge connection between Bitcoin and NVIDIA, obviously. So um, looking at the, the way that that plays out could be in anticipation of what the market does feel NVIDIA earnings are going to look like. So that's on my list this morning. I just want to mention that Ford Perfect. is breaking out that's here. So, uh, and yeah, I just wanted to mention Ford's breaking out here, and uh, it's it's uh, up to the upside here. So I'm in um, eighteen dollar calls um, currently myself on the weekly. They're fifty cents, uh, but it is breaking out. So I'm just not too sure. We know we had the, they had the earnings too last week. Um, so definitely um, just having some action here on to the upside on Ford. Very big volume right at the open. Uh, over 2.5 million shares came in. So definitely watching that momentum coming through for sure. And uh, probably see some resistance here at 18.13. And then we'll see if it breaks and uh, has another move to the upside on Ford. F for Ford. Okay, watching Ford. Also, Sivmera did initially uh, pop out the open. It was up 10%, now up about 9%. Uh, that KBH that I mentioned before is up about another half percent and moving. Danny, what's going on? What are you watching? Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, I'm running a little late this morning. Got my booster this weekend, and it really just kicked my ass. I don't know. I'm so I feel like so sleepy and tired. Uh, bros, uh, I had a highlighted bros on my uh, Sunday uh, watch list. So bros is looking pretty good. Up almost five percent. Push through that 50% Fibonacci retracement at 59.71. So getting a, a early breakout so far this morning. Going to be watching to see if we get a close over 59.71. I think that might be a good entry. Uh, also watching D-Dog. I know we have earnings this week. I don't know if it's Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but that's coming into the 50 uh 50 as SMA on the daily at around 157. So looking for a little bit of resistance there. We also have a 50% retrace to the upside at 159.50. So I'm going to be watching 157 to 159 for potential resistance. And uh, Expedia, uh, EXPE, uh, also highlighted that uh, this weekend. Looking at 188.15, we're currently at 187.38. Um, so we've got a lot of wicks through 188.15, so I think that might be a good area to watch. And uh, also watching Raytheon, you know, just due to the geopolitical uh, tension in Eastern Europe, um, defense contractors are, are going to be something to watch. Of course, we don't want anything uh, bad to happen, but uh, if you're into the defensive stocks, defensive sector stocks, uh, then RTX Raytheon uh, might be an interesting play. It's got a... Uh, breakout on Friday, and we're putting an inside day in today. So watch for a break to the upside over 93.90. Um, those are the names that I've been, you know, I have on my watch list uh, that I'm watching to uh, to the upside. Um, so a lot of the other things are pretty flat. I was watching Southern Company. Uh, Southern Copper Company, SCCO, uh, Morgan Stanley, ticker MS. Uh, those are both flat right now, but certainly still on my watch list for this week. Perfect. Keeping an eye on those. Um, have you made any moves already today? 
No, nothing, uh, nothing yet. Uh, I am in Datadog. Uh, I had called out Datadog a couple of weeks back uh, at around 128. So I'm probably going to sell. Uh, I had taken shares. So I'm probably going to sell some of that uh, today and, and possibly the rest of it into earnings. Uh, I haven't decided yet what I'll do yet. Okay. Watching Datadog. Uh, yeah, so some of the stuff that we've talked about here has already been popping off. So Mara is now up eleven uh, percent. It was just up twelve percent a second ago. Duac up seven point six. I think that there is some bullishness here on Tesla as well. Yeah, that did flip back uh, rather fast at the open. Went down point two four. Now up one point six six and moving. So flow. What's on your radar today? Yo, what's going on, man? Good morning, everyone. First of all, um, I'm actually in a current. I'm currently in two active trades. I'm with in TSM and Coin. Um, what I liked about Coin was the breakout over here at 201, and uh, it on on a shorter time frame. I'm thinking it as a day trade for now, just because I don't want to you know get caught up into Coin. Uh, but however, I do like TSM a lot more. TSM did gap up. I watched it kind of retest the lows of around 122.30 just now. Um, and it held good volume, so I, I took a long position on TSM. Um, with Ford, I personally, I'm looking to try to play a rejection soon on Ford, uh, just because, I mean, yes, they did have a major gap down, but they also just reported really bad news for them. Consider they're they're going to be cutting some output this year, so I think that if the market, just like ha how it has been, you know, up and down... Um, I think when the market comes to reject, uh, this one might be an interesting short. As of right now, I did so the TSM is doing really well. As of right now, I got an alert on XLNX, which is uh, a, sh a trade I actually just sh I shared on Twitter. Um, it's breaking out currently over two eleven. I am looking at a potential push towards two seventeen, if this two eleven level can hold. Um, they do have a catalyst this week as well for their AMD merger, so I think. XLNX will be a very nice, um, a potential move if the semiconductors stay hot, which, as you know, when semis run, they really run. So uh, that's why I have it on, on watch right now. Uh, besides that, you know, I've been watching some financials. Uh, you know, I was looking at JP Morgan this morning, but, you know, I'm, I'm currently not playing anything. I'm not playing financials at the moment. Uh, but yeah, TSM, XLNX, and Coin. Perfect. Yeah, coin, nice pop today. Uh, TSM, definitely a leader of that industry. So never helps when, never hurts to get behind it, especially when Sockhawk was talking about, you know, watching out for semis this week as well. I know that's one of your favorites, Matt, too. Okay, let's keep things rolling a bit here. Looks like we got Juicy. Juicy, can you hear me? What's going on, Juicy? Yo. Hey, I'm I'm running two calls. I'm opening my other car right now. If you're in Tesla, you're up sixty percent. Go ahead and cut that other half. Um, yeah, what's up, everybody? So I'm long Bros. I'm long Tesla. I'm long DWAC. Uh, pretty much up on all three. Just managing my trades, cutting out. I'm, I'm pretty much scaling right now. I'm gonna leave Bros on. Um, having a good day so far. Um, just chilling here, man. What's going on? Yeah, those are definitely ones that we've been watching as well. Uh, if anybody's been taking these, I think they've been having a good time. Bros has been. Moving since that got mentioned by Danny up another three, four percent. Let's see what else is happening. Yeah, I mean, what's up, Devin? My bad, had to get back. Just two two or three couple things. One, Bitcoin spiking higher right now, back over forty three K. 
seen that. Also, two quick stories that came out around the Open. Uh, Google is hiring a sports betting and online gambling account executive. That's according to Wagers USA. Before you go crazy into it, the role is will help gaming business clients understand how Google's search video and mobile can help them connect instantly and seamlessly with their audience. That's a direct quote from the job listing. So not really necessarily Google getting into a sports book, but them kind of looking to benefit from the area with search. And we see how much these these sports betting companies are spending on advertising. Google is trying to get in there uh, and get some of that money. Maybe another winner agnostic play for the sports betting sector, although Google is too huge to really see the direct benefit from this. And the other story was a group of state treasurers is calling on the SEC to investigate whether Apple misled investors and the agency about its use of non-disclosure agreements. That's still very early. That's from the Washington Post. Uh, but yeah, both two stories, huge stocks that probably won't affect the, the you know how the stocks are moving today, but still some big stories. And then yeah, Bitcoin spiking over 43K. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, plenty of big news stories going on this morning. Seems like there's a lot of movement, a lot of volume. Stock talk, I want to bring you back into this for about 15 minutes into the open. Um, is anything unusual standing out to you today? Um, unusual as in price action? Yeah, price action, volume, anything going on? Yeah, I mean, I think the miners are the star of the show right now, um, at least on my watch list. They are the leaders of the day. Um, you know, I put it in my Discord, my weekly watch list last night, that, you know, you, the way to play these is – these are a unique, you know, the Bitcoin miners are a unique exposure because these stocks don't trade 24-7, obviously. Stocks don't trade 24-7, but Bitcoin does. And so what happens is, is the overnight moves in Bitcoin or the over-the-weekend moves in Bitcoin get reflected in the price of these stocks after the fact. So there's a built-in lag to the move. Uh, so, you know, going long on these miners, when Bitcoin retakes key levels like it did over the weekend... It's, it's pretty simple and straightforward trade. You know, it's a simple uh, sympathy trade based on the leverage exposure. And then when Bitcoin forfeits a key level, you go short on the miners. And, you know, we've been doing this in my Discord for the last two months. And it, I don't want to say it always works because there's always, you know, you, you never want to say that, that, that term always. But it hasn't not worked yet. I'll say that. Um, it's been extremely consistent and like, I would say the only consistent trading strategy that's been working all year long, which is long the miners on Bitcoin strength overnight, short the miners on Bitcoin weakness overnight. I mean, it just, it works perfectly. And so it's working again this morning. Um, you know, we have BidF running, we had Mara and Riot running right at the open. Uh, pretty much all of them are running. Yeah. Actually every single one in my watch list is green. You know, every single Bitcoin miner is green on my watch list. So that just shows you like how consistent the reaction is. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen of them are up double digits. So I mean, you know, this just speaks to the consistency of the reaction. And like there's multiple different ways to generate trade ideas, of course, but you know, sympathy trading is one of my favorites. And you know, doing it with these miners is a really, really simple straightforward strategy i try to encourage in my discord because you know my goal with that is to teach people how to fish and so you know hopefully this allows people to play this uh you know these miners long and short on their own um you know whatever bitcoin takes or forfeits key levels so yeah i mean i'm definitely have my eyes on those 
and keep my eye on DWAC, Fun, and CFVI. Those got off into a hot start. I'm going to keep my, my, my eye on oil stocks, see if some of those decide to rebound. I know they opened rough. Nat gas was down big um, this morning. We'll see if oil futures recover a bit during the day. Um, and then also watching Ford. I think Vegas said that earlier, but I'm also watching Ford today, uh, seeing which direction it wants to go. Because, you know, I think this is a chart where it could go either direction. Um, uh, you know, I think it could sell off a couple more dollars, and I also think it could rebound to 20. So watching there, and then, like I said earlier, watching AMC. I know we got off to a hot open on AMC, but it's looking like it's already dumping here now. I want to see a forfeit of 15, then I'll probably get puts. Perfect. And if anybody is, you know, coming in with key levels or does take a trade, please, uh, just a reminder, you know, throw up that hand. We would love to have people share that with us. I like when the space kind of rotates in that direction of people sharing. So let's see if anything else has come in. Not a ton that I'm seeing on the option side of things. What's up, Sofa? Yeah, so TSM, I don't know if anyone was listening earlier. Uh, it's currently up about 1.5% on the day. Uh, I do think that it's going to be hitting resistance around uh, 124.20 for you know, a small pullback in the market. Uh, the VIX is trading at 23.47. So um, it, it is sitting right on support. So we might see a little, you know, a minor VIX bounce with a little, uh, you know, market pullback. But what I'm going to be watching during this pullback is XLNX at 2.11.66. Uh, I want to see if we we get a nice volume bounce at that support level. Uh, that would just confirm the breakout for the day on XLNX. Um, so, yeah. What's up, Evan? Yeah, I just got another quick headline here. Dave Fortnoy just tweeted out that he actually officially filed the lawsuit against Business Insider and all those people there. So, uh, Penn National, uh, Fortnoy, and Barstool filed the lawsuit against Business Insider. Okay. Very interesting to see how that does play out. Let's see. Up, up 3% on the day. Just popped off a little bit. Okay. Danny, let's bring it back to you. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the ones up front. There's a few more names that have been thrown in. Uh, people have been talking about TSM and AMC and a couple of different, you know, ups and downs. Anything that has stood out to you or any other trades that you've made? Uh, well, EXPE is right at my trigger. It's actually uh, about a percent over my trigger now. So watching EXPE, we're at a high that uh, we have not been at since uh, November of 21. So... Uh, with plays like this, I actually just got another pop here. With plays like this, I, they don't move very fast. And what I like to do is wait till the end of the day. I want to I want to see a daily close over one eighty eight fifteen uh, for shares to the upside on EXPE. And then you know we we're pretty close to two hundred, and so that's a nice psychological uh, target. And I like you know to say like the the magnet turns on when you're when you're pretty close. I think. When you're like 85 to 100, the magnet turns on. You're generally going to test like at least 98, possibly 100. And so we're at 188. So it's looking pretty good that we, if we get a daily close over this level, and you could see from the chart that I posted up in the nest that it's an ascending triangle, we generally get uh, a nice breath move. So watching EXP pretty closely. Uh, also, Snapchat just went green. 
uh, we've got a, a declining 50 simple moving average. Now, I did have a five-wave move down off that top at $82. And so what I'm watching for to see is if we get some some structure, some wave structure to the upside, what I would like to see is a, is a test of that f declining 50 simple moving average, which is almost exactly at the prior swing low anchored VWAP, right at around $41. I'd like to see a rejection off of that. I would like to see a flag forming and then a break of that flag, which would signal that would be a one-two setup for a Fibonacci uh, five-wave move to the upside. And then I'd take the break of of the 50, 50 SMA around $41. So uh, Snapchat's still looking pretty interesting off of that um, that massive move that we had last week. Um, other than that, you know, bros, I mean, it's at 8%. When I called it out, it was at about 4.5%. So bros is continuing higher. D-Dog still looks pretty strong. Um, that's really all I have on my on my watch list that I'm watching right now. Nothing nothing really new. Uh, Piton up 28%, but we've got earnings, I believe, tomorrow. I did call out Hut, uh, you know, similar to what Stock Talk Weekly was talking about with the miners. Uh, whenever Bitcoin makes those weekend moves, you always want to keep an eye on the miners. Uh, Hut, Mara, you know, those types of names, they, they tend to run and it's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, Riot being another one. And uh, Snow. Uh, Snow actually is over 300 again. And we cleared over the 200 SMA on the daily. So I did have an entry uh, demand zone down in the mid 200s. So uh, we blasted through the 618 retrace at 268.90 on Friday and uh, now gapping up here. Uh, we have earnings coming up on March 2nd. So this could be the start of an earnings run. I, I do really like it here. Although what I would watch for is that declining 50 simple moving average on the daily. That's right at around 316. That's likely where we see our first bit of major resistance because that also coincides with the the downtrend line. Now, I did put out, and I have been putting out charts on Snowflake, uh, ticker SNOW, for the last maybe six weeks, looking at this cup and handle formation. However, the handle has now retraced more than 50%, and so it really negates that pattern, although it still looks good. Um, again, I would just wait, possibly, if you're not already in, Wait for it to clear that 50 simple moving average because uh, it is declining, but it looks like it's starting to curl to flatten. Uh, so what I would like to see is a, is a test of that 50 simple moving average right around 316. I want to see a rejection and very similar to what I had just mentioned on uh, the prior stock. I want to see a rejection. I want to see a flag built and then I want to see a break of that flag. And again, to me, from from an Elliott Wave perspective, that would be a one-two setup going into Wave Three, and your Wave Threes. You know, if anybody knows Elliott Wave, Wave Three tends to be the longest wave of your five-wave move up. So that would be what I would be watching for Snow. Perfect. Yeah, big news for Snow this morning. Um, as you just kind of mentioned, gap up the Morgan Stanley upgrade. I'm also bringing it back to Datadog. I think I'm seeing a little bit more movement inside of D-Dog right here. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, almost 7% now. Yeah, so big move. Like uh, we're, right, 
Yeah, we're right at 160 and we just broke the 50 SMA and the 50% retrace at 159.50. So, you know, earnings are on the 10th, I guess that's Thursday. So yeah, I mean, we've, we've had two really strong candles Friday and today. So we could see a third day continuation, but if we still see a lot of strength in Datadog, I would just be very careful chasing it up here uh, going into earnings. Perfect. Yeah, continuing to keep an eye on Datadog. All right, Vegas, you've been taking some more trades. What are you What are you up to? Uh, yeah, so uh, DWAC is going really well according to the trade plan. Also, Valet, V-A-L-E, that one trades really nice. A little slow sometimes, but it is triggering off uh, dark pool money flow lots of prints came in on v-a-l-e so if anyone likes to trade valet uh target on that one's 18 dollars uh, on a swing level um you know it, like i said it moves up slow but it's you know it's nice pace um lucid motors you know has a lot of action today too and we saw some unusual options activity coming in as well uh, strong volume on Lucid today. You can see here it's trading around 2826. Uh, looking for that to head towards maybe the um, 2927-ish. Uh, see if it can go to 2884. That'll be the resistance. And then we'll see if it can break 29 and then go go towards probably 2927 on lucid so that's looking really really good here but noticing also the travel stocks like those were all popping all at the same time um you know ccl i like that as a comeback covid play longer term i've talked about that quite a few times but uh sing american airlines so a lot of travel stocks popping this morning as well um so those are the ones but i like lucid for uh day trade and uh valet came for a swing trade and uh, DWAC on track. And, you know, a sympathy to DWAC obviously is this uh, CFVI. So a lot of traders are trading that either on the commons or they're going into um, monthly contracts on CFVI. So those are the ones I'm looking in, in, in those as well. Yeah, and shorting Facebook too. CFVI. Yeah, and, and Facebook. Facebook <laughs> from a put yeah on the option side on the on the puts perspective the 230 puts uh because it did break the support to the downside it actually went um below i thought it was it's a shame because i thought it was going to go up but you know what i gotta follow where the flow's going uh so it doesn't matter what i think it's what the market thinks and so facebook went below that 234.80 so as long as it's under there i am gonna hold uh my position on the put side as long as it stays under this 230.480 level uh facebook probably uh could see well it went all the way to 233 so far i mean if it breaks 233 and goes below and it gets weaker uh this probably could see 232.21 and then if it went below that my gosh this could go to 230.60 so next level to the downside if it breaks lows of the day would be around 232.21 in my opinion so definitely watching to see if it breaks below that low of day and it, you know it's looking pretty weak right now okay perfect thank you um with that are you doing puts is that how you're shorting that Yes, yes, yes. I don't really like to short the actual stock. Then I'm panicking to cover, so I don't want to do that uh, for my style of trading. But I do like the the put angle. Uh, the two thirty puts is what I'm in, um, and those are that one's a weekly because I'm looking really just to uh, day trade this one, and um, 
the one that I have is the the two thirty puts. I paid four sixty five, kind of like where it is at the moment. Uh, you know, in Facebook, I have to you know keep in mind that it can reverse at any time. So I am watching uh, the trade closely. Perfect. Thank you, Vegas. Uh, hey, another piece of news, which I think did you do the Spirit Airlines news? Yes, sir. You you did say that. Okay. Yeah, I did talk about Spirit Airlines uh, and Frontier are merging. Frontier is going to own about 51.5% of the merged company. So uh, they will be the slight majority owner, and the value will be around $6.6 billion of the merged company. And when do they when do they report earnings? That I do not know. I could look into it. Which That's one do we want, off. Frontier or Spirit, or both? Uh, Spirit, uh, which is I just wanted to hop in and say, um, tomorrow. The energy industry is currently testing a breakout level, uh, XLE, along with XOM. So it's definitely something to keep on watch over here. XLE and XLM? Uh, X, XOM and XLE. Oh, it. it is okay. testing. It's right under the breakout. It hasn't, you know, as of right now, it's just testing it. Um, I think that if XOM specifically can hold above maybe 8175, uh, that might be a potential... You, you can see that it's getting really tight there. So we'll see. Very nice. Those uh, Facebook puts are doing quite well there, Vegas. Did those just go from 465 to 8? Um, no, I'm in the two, the 230 puts. So they, they're currently around $5, $5 right now, 505 Oh, the. So I was in them at nice. four, the 230 put. I see them. I see them. Okay. Yep. Very yeah. nice. Okay, yeah, on the I, like that, I like that setup too, SoFlo, with XOM. Uh, I think that a lot of people were bullish, you know, continuously bullish on energy. And obviously, it's just continued to break out, not all-time highs, but um, kind of breaking back to those, I think it's those 2019 levels um, that it was at and just continues to push through. Stock Talk, are you interested at all in any of these energy or oil gas plays right now? Yep, um, watching XOM and Oxy. Oxy just made a big red to green move. Um, watching XOM as well, and then I'm watching some of the small cap oil plays, also OIS and REI. I like to trade those sometimes when oil gets hot, so uh, you know, just for a higher beta exposure. But yeah, my favorite play in the space is Oxy for sure. Perfect. Okay, let's keep it rolling. What's up, Juicy? I was going to say, watch, since we're talking about oil, watch ticker CVX inside weeks breaks at 137. My only concern is if you take it down to a 501, it, the, the bounce from the bottom of the day, that 135 area, is straight up. So we can consolidate at all above 137. You should see CVX take off. CVX. I know that some people were looking to potentially go short on that. Already. Oh, that's that's actually Chevron, I was thinking. That's Chevron, some, yep. Oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking CVS. Um, which is definitely different from CVX, and CVS is down slightly today. Okay, Matt, what have you been uh, up to? What's going on? Any any of these names stick out to you? You put in any hedge pressure? Hey, all right. Uh, sorry, I was in the middle of chatting. Uh, can you toss me those names again? I'll run some things for uh, you. They, I, I think it's mostly like the oil and gas names. Uh, oh, actually, speaking. okay, perfect, because I actually just plotted USO. Uh, and actually, just now I was talking about oil. I think that uh, and I, I actually was just saying this, and I'll, I'll reiterate this. So, you know, when I started trading in oil, this is kind of, you know, I come from the oil and gas world, and my background as an engineer, 
Um, and I, oil is one of the first things I actually really got into trading heavily. You know, and a lot of the movement of oil, I'll tell you, I believe has to do with inflation and um, the Saudis choking supply. Now, I know OPEC is I'm kind of removed from the numbers, but I think OPEC is about a third of the production compared to like the the non the NOPEC or all the other names for all the other ones outside of the cartel. Um, so I think that that mixed with inflation is really causing the price moves. And, you know, having news that there's tension of a potential um, campaign or, you know, Russia mobilizing for an invasion and things like this. And I'll tell you from years of trading oil and not to sound insensitive to, you know, anybody from any region of the world. Um, but there's in oil producing countries, there's almost always tension and conflict for thousands of years. And it's it's kind of always understood. So the catalysts are always short term because there's always some kind of tension. Right. Um, and what oil traders tend to do is price in wild rumors because of the illiquidity, especially overnight, because oil is mostly traded uh, globally while we're sleeping. You know, a lot of the catalysts take place overnight. So in, in the U.S. markets, we tend to sell the news more than anything, which is what I think we're seeing today. Uh, any, you know, any movements, anything that's going on, I think in the overnight, like I said, there was a news event. We popped. It came back down. Yeah, I think oil's starting to relax. I think getting up to the 90 levels, I think, is going to stabilize. We have basically today um, in USO, uh, let me get this numbers really quick. It is, let me type in this right here. We have a we're at 66, 65. Yeah, so it's still kind of, it's not really bullish on, okay, now this is USO. I have to convert this really quickly in my head to uh, oil futures. Um, USO 67 is roughly equivalent to about maybe 95, 96 oil. That's the only clean break that we do have for kind of bull side. Um, like I said earlier today, my equities assessment is that we're going to have the flattest week ever. And I think everything's going to be flat. And I think if anything does sell off, it's probably going to be oil. If uh, we're kind of like this sell the news kind of thing, we'll probably get some retracement. Uh, I would say at least through Thursday's news down to what I'll consider to be the 62 level, which is where hedge, uh, monthly hedge pressure is. That's kind of the balance point that goes to the end of the month. 63 and a half from my model is normal hedge pressure for weekly options. And so, you know, oil, just like everything else, is just sandwiched and kind of armed and ready and waiting to see what everything else is doing. I think it's the one thing that is more stable for the long haul than anything else, because um, as we've seen with most commodities, they've responded very violently to inflation, almost like the tulips thing back in the day. But oil has responded to inflation by being a place where money is parked safely. And I think it's because it's aided by rumors of conflict, right? People need to put their money in something that's not cash to fight inflation. And, you know, Bitcoin was it for a little bit. And then Bitcoin kind of proved to not be a hedge against inflation. And Bitcoin started selling and people started flooding into energy products. And it's just kind of a stable... Um, you know, employment's going up in that sector. Um, and so it's just stable. So people aren't necessarily rushing to get out of it. Um, but I don't think it beyond 100 people will be rushing to get into it either, because I think at that time, the equities market's going to swing back around. And that'll seem more attractive with some of the dips we have than trying to squeeze on extra five bucks in oil. So today we're sandwiched between 64, uh, sorry, 63 and a half and 66 USO which roughly is the equivalent of about 91, no, sorry, uh, 90 and maybe 90, uh, maybe 95. So five point range in oil. I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, as far as the names go, I think, again, I think those names are going to be stable. I think they're not going to go much lower, but I don't think they're going to be the next big rally either. With everything else depressed, everything else looks more attractive, I think, to a lot of the investors sitting on the sidelines. 
So that's my call for USO, but it's a it's a fundamental call, right? So it's not just technicals. You have to kind of think that oil tends to have a catalyst every other every other week in on our session and probably a catalyst every night around the world. Um, I don't think that it's a, a growth asset for the long haul. I think oil is going to uh, succumb to its normal path of just falling while the you know at least lately falling back to a kind of a reverting state of, of finding equilibrium. Um, and I think maybe eventually, maybe the next two or three years, we're back down to 40, 50 bucks. Um, but it's going to stay here for a little bit. So not really. Uh, I'm doing a trading challenge right now on the CME group. Actually, doing two trading challenges. The CME group has a futures trading challenge. And one of my best trades is uh, shorting oil. So I'm shorting the news, the, the spikes. So we'll see how that goes. And it's, it's a paper trading challenge. So they host that a couple times a year. It's kind of fun. If you guys are futures traders, uh, check the next one. But Sorry for the long-winded answer, but I'll, I'll have some shorter answers. You got some more tickers. I'll just give you the numbers for the next ones. Got you. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, man. And I actually have done that CME challenge before. It's um, fun, so, yeah. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing when it comes to future trading, so I cannot say I was successful. Uh, but, yeah, it was definitely interesting, and I'm sure you're a lot better at it than I was. They're kind of fun. Yeah, they're, they're neat. I think they give out a cash prize. Um, it's the neat thing is they, you trade for a week, you, it's just paper trading. Um, and part of the stipulation of winning the cash prize, you have to go through this educational seminar they teach. And if you guys have never watched the videos, I don't care if you don't trade futures or not. If you want to learn about the stock market or learn about trading in general, the videos on that CME challenge site, they send you through like a full education on futures and equities and things. That is the, those are the best videos a new trader could ever watch. CME Group put together fantastic videos. And it's like a whole video series. And it's free, very free. You can make a weekend out of it. I make everyone go watch it because you can learn all these things you hear people talk about. But they're like Investopedia style videos. So they're animated and cartoony. So it's, you know, it's easier to learn from, you know, those of us that are from the Simpsons or Rick and Morty generation where we have to learn through cartoons. So, you know, it's really nice. Love it. Okay, we got Bobby Gattuso up here. What are you looking at, Bobby? Hey, guys, and good morning. Uh, this morning, I'm looking at uh, Apple breaking above the, well, holding the 50-day SMA. I just put out a chart with uh, Carnival Cruise Line breaking above its 20-day. Um, and just listening just a moment ago, I'm always on that CME website as well. And also the um, CBOE, um, just for the options and, you know, with the volatility indexes. Um, always something... Uh, to take a look at for the weekends. If, if anyone's, ex, you know, extremely bored, obviously, you know, it can be a little bit dry. But other than that, just look at the market conditions and, you know, you know, looking at what the inflation is going to be doing over the course of this month. And, um, you know, just kind of wait for better entries, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hear. I've been seeing some of the charts that have been going out this morning. Do you have any interest in Apple or any others? Well, I, I did put a uh, iron condor on Apple. Actually, no, I, that was a, I did a, a short vertical uh, or a short put vertical on Apple this morning, and also Nvidia. Um, I'm trying to get a little bit more, um, I guess, you know, protective with my options. So I've been learning about um, iron condors and doing um, short put verticals. So I've been doing that. Um, other than that, I'm kind of watching what uh, Peloton's going to do with the with the uh, the Nike news. Um, I always like to see you know all the speculation in the market. It's fun. Okay, keep an eye on it. Let me know if there's anything else that you want to hear. Absolutely. Type in with. Okay. All right. 
Let's see what else is going on here. All right, real quick, if you've been in the audience and you have been hanging out, we've already been running almost an hour. I know that we have hundreds of people in here. Fantastic crew we have up here. A lot of them have been coming back on a weekly basis. Uh, my co-hosts, a lot of my speakers, you know, Danny, Juicy, Vegas, Matt. Showflow was here last week. I see we got Gerg in the audience. Bobby has been definitely a major help with Bull stuff and also been hopping on these spaces. So if y'all have already not clicked in, check them out. Uh, it's a fantastic group, especially if you're into active, uh, you know, live trading. There's a couple more longer term investors up here as well. But you're definitely getting your fill of charts, technical analysis, uh, spaces, content. If you want to go deeper into educational material and discords, this is the group that will have it for you. And then myself and my co-host as well, we will be running a number of spaces this week. We have 20 spaces planned for this week. This is uh, one of 20. Uh, we did one last night yesterday, so technically 21, uh, technically two of 21. But yeah, I mean, we're just going to be pumping out content this week. Even just today, we have all different types of spaces ranging from you know, live trading and power hours to NFTs and Bitcoin, uh, really just everything all over the spectrum. So hope everybody's ready for a big week in the market and is checking out these speakers. Evan, anything you want to add in there before we keep it rolling? Definitely make sure you're checking out every single one of the speakers. Click into their profiles, see what they're doing. They're all doing amazing stuff. Really appreciate them. I feel like everyone up here, yeah, everyone up here is people that we've had on before. Uh, so we can confidently say that these are really great people to check into their profiles, give them a follow. You know, you may be a specific type of trader or investor, uh, but I, I promise you, I would say there is nobody down in the crowd that you shouldn't be like, you know, you'll get value from at least half the accounts that are up here. That was a long-winded way of saying that. Make sure you're checking out all the speakers. I'm going to shut up now. Wolf, maybe it's time we get a little bit of a Spaces calendar shout-out as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just throw 30 seconds on that. And then I want to run into more of these plays because it does seem like the market is pulling back. So we're going to see if there's any opportunity there. Basically, we have a lot of spaces and there's a lot that goes into these spaces. There are over 50 individual speakers that are going to be on spaces this week. There are 20 different unique times to attend spaces, probably 15-ish different topics since there is a little bit of overlap. But there is a lot to keep track of. Now, of course, you can go and click in, check out my pinned tweet. But things are subject to change. We have new speakers coming on. We have time changes and all different things like that. So we are doing our best to make your life easy when it comes to finding spaces. And we've developed a singular tool that is adept for all of this. And that is our Twitter Spaces Google Calendar. If anybody's familiar with Google Calendars, basically I've created one. I'm an admin that allows me to place a calendar event on the calendar. Anyone that is sub to the calendar will then see that event on their personal calendar. They can toggle it on and off so they don't have to clog anything up, but basically makes life easy. We have now 3,100 plus people that are subbed to our free public Google calendar. These are all different types of people, long and short-term investors, technical analysis, fundamental analysis, you know, crypto, NFT people, whatever it is your style, we have something for you. And the best way to get onto this is right now, go click into my DMs, shoot me a DM and ask to be on the Spaces calendar and make sure that your Gmail is in there. If you don't have a Gmail, we can take other emails, but it's a Google Calendar, so it natively works best with Gmail. You can also send them to Stock Park News, my co-host, uh, but feel free to send them to either of us. Both of our DMs are open. We will get you on that again. It is a free tool. You can unsubscribe if you don't like it. It doesn't send us a message, but there is no harm in trying. I think we literally added another 30, 40 people last night after Stock Talk Space. So I recommend reaching out if you haven't and then making sure that you're following myself and the co so that these spaces pop up on your timelines. 
All right. With that being said, we're going to pop back into this market. So Stock Talk, what are you watching here? It seems like there's a little bit of a pullback. Yeah, just keeping my eye on everything. You know, I'm, I'm obviously seeing this pullback right now. Um, like I said, I, I want to get short AMC, but still, you know, 20 or 30 cents further down than I want to see it go before I get into those puts. Um, TWAC moves kind of getting cut off a little bit here. Expecting the same thing from CFBI. CFBI is lagging the move by about 10 minutes. So that's good to note for me now so that, um, you know, if I want to play long or short on these, I can just wait for the lag and uh, take it from there. Other than that, uh, not really looking at anything specific. Kind of still eyeing some of these gas plays. Like I said earlier, Oxy went red to green, seeing if it can catch some bids. Crude didn't do too much of a drop today. I mean, it's down a percent, 1.25% on WTI crude. Um, but, you know, I was surprised to see a hold over 90 over the weekend. So I think oil sentiment is still pretty strong. We'll see how that pans out this week. Obviously, the geopolitical tensions are going to govern oil prices for this week. Um, we'll have to see. I know some reports came out over the weekend that, you know, U.S. officials were expecting an invasion, but, you know, we I won't believe it until we see it because a lot of these geopolitical tensions get pretty dramatic and they don't, you know, uh, necessarily always pan out. Not that I'm rooting for war once again. I remember last week when I said this, some people DM me like as if I was rooting for war. I'm not. I'm just saying if we get, you know, a conflict, then it makes sense to long energy during a, a geopolitical conflict. And if we don't get a conflict, then you can expect oil prices to cool off. You know, I see oil going back to 85. If all those geopolitical tensions ease in the case where they heat up, I think it'll go to 100 very quickly. So, you know, that's not something I think you can predict. I don't think anyone is, you know, looking at oil futures, trying to make a prediction based on the price. Uh, I think you got to make a prediction based on the sentiment. And so, uh, yeah, that's just something that has to develop. We can't uh, make a call on that yet. But yeah, keeping my eye on oil. Also keep my eye on semis, not just today, but this week. Um, you know, we have MRVL reporting on the 3rd. Um, same thing with Broadcom. And then we have NVIDIA next week. Um, so we'll see if sentiment starts to pick up in advance of some of those earnings. Um, I think anybody who's been paying attention to the market for the last few weeks has noticed a lot of relative strength. In, in semis, I know Matt picked SOXL on play of the week. I think it was last week uh, or the week before. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to get exposure to semis. Um, you know, typically, historically speaking, semis speak a lot to the strength of the broader market. Um, and they tend to outperform a lot of times as well when you have other growth in tech being sold off. And I think you've kind of seen that that trend this so far this year. Um, so looking for further strength in semis as well, but we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. Okay, awesome. So we had several plays that are going pretty right here uh, that have been thrown out on here. I see Facebook continuing to drop. Did you roll down on those puts, Vegas? Uh, yeah, I still, I'm still holding them. And you know what? I'm really uh, watching this level, this 230 level. It's going to be a serious, serious level. Um, and I mean that by uh, the dark pool flow uh, based on all the prints from last week. And so if this gets under 230, because uh, you could see Facebook's low of day, 230.50. But if we go under this 230 in particular today, 
there's going to be some serious uh, bears coming in here. They're going to be attacking Facebook big time. I'm sure they're already in there. But this 230 is key support. If this goes below, watch out. Uh, I think uh, Facebook um, can go, wow, like honestly, <laughs> it's a crazy what I'm going to say, but it can go probably towards 225. And uh, if it breaks that, I mean, I won't be surprised to see this go to 220, as low as even 200 from a swing perspective. I don't, it would definitely not go to 200, in my opinion, today. But I think for sure, if it breaks 230, I wouldn't be surprised to see another $5 drop today in particular. And then if it continues being weak, I won't be surprised to see this go to potentially around 220 and, and then maybe even towards 2 200 as the days go by if the weakness still shows but today i won't be surprised if i see this book head to 225 if we get below this 230 so this is a key key break here to the downside if it goes below uh definitely um it's going lower it's going to go to towards 225 next yeah but it's looking ugly there for sure on facebook yeah. for now for now absolutely watching that continue to move danny have you moved out of d-dog at all Yep, I actually scaled out 20% of my position at 161. Uh, that actually, it's perfect. I mean, the trade was, I mean, I, I don't know, whatever. It, it, it wicked right through that 50%, 159.50, and now we pulled back, and now we're perfectly under that 50 SMA. So it did exactly what I was hoping that it would do. Uh, a lot of the times when you have these specific levels, especially when you're looking at a moving average, a key moving average, like a 50 SMA or a key Fibonacci, like the 50% or the 618, sometimes you get a move into that particular level almost exactly. But more often than not, you're going to get a wick through it and then a pullback. And so what I always say, and I've said this in previous um, in previous spaces, uh, for, for trades, I'm always looking at a pullback between nine 45 and 10 15 in the morning. And this one literally at 10 15 started to pull back. So, um, I did exit 20% of that trade at 161 and we're pulling back. So, um, I'm going to watch to see, I want to see how data dog closes today. If we close under the 50 SMA, I might consider exiting more of my trade at the end of the day, because that should potentially act as resistance uh, but we'll, we'll take it you know day by day i want to see how the day closes i want to see that last hour i'll also you know using trend spider i'll throw on the raindrop chart and see where my volume is for the day and and then make a decision from there but uh it looks good you know bros also pulling back now at 61 dollars dwac as well uh amd i didn't mention that earlier because it was it was red it actually went red to green and now is up two percent so AMD looking pretty interesting here. Uh, Expedia still relatively flat. Raytheon now green, still flat. Um, UPS was on my list that just turned green about 10, 15 minutes ago. Uh, and Morgan Stanley uh, also just flat. So, uh, but yeah, Datadog uh, pulling back from its highs now at 157. So it looks like that was a really, really good sell near the top. Let's see where we close today. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so Q's definitely just took a bit of a hammering on the last 15 minute candle, uh, just kind of broke down, but did find support at the 20, I think it's the 20 day, unless it's the 21. Let's just see what I have it set at. Yeah, it looks like they found it at the 20 day SMA. Um, and a bit of a key fib level, uh, looks like that it went underneath and is trying to push back through. So yeah, we'd like to see the cues come back up through 
I mean, this is cents, but 359.82, ideally about a 50 cent move upwards uh, for continuation in those areas. Let's see if anything else is coming in on option flow. I got some alerts for STEM, S-T-E-M, which has been a beaten down stock uh, that there are some people going bullish on, which is a bit interesting to see, but it's not massive money. So not taking too much into account there. Let's take a look at, and if anybody has made a trade, feel free to throw your hand up and I will go to you. Uh, KB Home, okay, yeah, that pulled back a little bit. Yeah, everything's having a bit of a market pullback here. This is why we recommend stops and getting out and make sure you got profit. What's up, SoFlo? Hey, what's going on? So um, this was that little market pullback that I was waiting for. And on that pullback, I did see an opportunity with Boeing. Uh, Boeing did break out of a, a 208, so I waited for that nice little uh, breakout retest. It dropped all the way back down to 208, 208 sorry about that, 208.90, and um, I grabbed some 212.5 calls. Ideally, I want to see this break out over 211 uh, and continue onwards, but we will see. I do think, you know, they. I, I've been bullish on the past couple of uh, you know, two weeks actually on, on BA. So I've just been waiting to play this. Uh, let's see how the market reacts. On top of that, I've been watching Oxy. We did break out nicely over 41 just now. Um, looks really good, but it doesn't really have a lot of volume. We might just see this hit its head a couple of times. Uh, and then Ford, let me pull up Ford because I was watching Ford. Ford has also just been hitting its head at around 1811. Um, I do still think that, you know, it doesn't have high volume. So this can still be a potential, you know, rejection play on Ford. Uh, still hasn't really showed much momentum in either direction at the moment. So I'm being a little patient with Ford. Uh, and besides that, APPS, which is digital turbines, uh, that is a very volatile stock. I am watching this. It ran this morning, but I'm watching a potential pullback. Uh, and a breakdown around 45. So let's see what it does. Okay, yeah, continuing to watch those as well. Oxy, pretty nice. You know, red to green move there, down 2.545% to almost up a percent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, since we last talked about that, up almost a percent since then. What's up, Vegas? Well, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say uh, CVX. I know uh, Juicy mentioned uh, he's long on CVX, and I was uh, watching it as well because I was waiting for the confirmation over the break of 137.50. So I am um, in a swing uh, on the option side uh, for the 140 calls for March 18, just because I need time. I don't want to be into something that expires next week. Then I'm next thing you know, I'm into a weekly. So I am looking to see CVX up probably head towards the 140 level and um, have a nice move there, even maybe uh, towards 145 longer term. So I did go into some March 18 contracts um, on the 140 strike. So, and those are 330. So I am liking the action on it finally. And I got confirmation uh, that look, you know, to the upside as well. Um, so I'm looking uh, for this to go higher over the in the coming weeks, maybe even this week. So looks good, ready to go. Okay, so CVX one forty calls for March eighteenth. Yes, yes, one forty. If and you know if somebody wants a one forty five, they're obviously cheaper, uh, a little uh, 
I, you know, my targets on there is about 140, 140, 250 to 145. So I think if someone has, you know, a smaller account, uh, they'd be okay to go to a 145 for March. Uh, they would still uh, most likely profit if the stock can continue to the uptrend towards 140. And then 142.50, and then my target on this is 145. Okay, perfect. Keeping an eye on that, just put that on a watch list. I see they're trading at around 310 right here. Um, so maybe if they break below three, that's where I might come in. Um, okay, keeping it rolling around. Juicy, making other, any other moves? Um, so you guys saw the CVX trigger. Um, long story short, I pretty much cut out a DWAC bros, Tesla offer gains. Those are quick scalps as we talked about the market still inside uh, of this previous range. So we're in the top area, so I am playing a little bit of defense. Something I am watching though, uh, XLK tech, um, messing around here. We're, we're coming back on some levels. So out of the, the XLK, I like Apple above 174.09. We're getting a reversal above that level. You can target a higher day from two days ago, 176.32. That's the last area of resistance. We cleared that. We pretty much got a straight shot to about 183. So Apple's on my main watch for now. Just see if we can get a trigger. But the problem, like I said before, is spy, man. We're just in a, a range. It's unbiased right here. We're neutral, right? And with that being said, you're, you're, I'm a, have a bullish bias on spy above 452.76 and a bearish bias below 443.90. So while we're in this, what I call a chop box, I'm legitly getting in trades, scaling at 20%, taking another scale at 40%, cutting the whole trade at 60 to 90%. You know, I'm not letting them run. I'm just taking profit and I'm cutting all my, lo my losses really quickly until we can get out of this chop box and get the strength of the market behind us. So uh, watching Apple, watching tech, watching oil, uh, we'll see what happens. But again, still playing defense until we break these levels. Let's dive into a little bit more just for people to understand. So right now, the whole entire range of trading today is inside of Friday, right? So the high of today is below the high of Friday, but this is on SPY. The low of today is above the low of Friday. So the market really hasn't decided a direction. And if you go back kind of over the last several days, you often see once it breaks out of that one way or the other, that's when you're going to see the bigger move uh, happen. So I think that's kind of what Juicy's getting to. And Juicy, where did you say you would be bearish on that? So for me, you know, one thing to note too, if you look at chart of spy, you look from uh, 128 all the way up to that 22. That was effectively like a mini uptrend. We broke that in 23, and we just have no trend. So that's a big thing too. So when you're when you're range bound inside of a big candle with no trend, you know you're in, you're in the meat grinder. But I'm bearish on low of day 44390. So while we're in these ranges, this is where you really want to play defense. When we get out of those ranges and we're bearish, you can you know. Please stop space on structure. You know, let, let them go. Let them run. Hold on to those runners. No, nah, not right now. No, nah, just be safe. But you also have the 200-day right there at that e bottom. Right? Exactly. So, I mean, and then on top of that, if you look at today, the higher day today is the 20 estimate. So, I mean, you got a lot of reasons to say, and I'm going to cut my trade pretty quick. Okay. Definitely chopping around here. All right. Let's keep it going. Evan, stock market news. Any stocks that you would like to have charted right here? I think the number one place we have to start after yesterday, for anyone who missed it, make sure you're following our other co-host up here, Stock Talk Weekly. Every Sunday, 8 p.m., he does a trade of the week session. And I have been playing a little bit game on there, not really picking a play. I've been just doing the inverse Wolf Financial, the inverse Gob play. Uh, so we're going to see how it plays out this week. So that leads us to Disney. 
We'll love to hear some thoughts on that. I know we have earnings after the close on Wednesday. And then, you know, I, I, as I'm looking at the market right now, there's, or my portfolio specifically, actually, there's a bunch of stocks that are up and, and there's a couple that are down. Uh, the first one is Facebook, which I know we talked about a little bit, but the next one under that is going to be Square. So maybe some thoughts on that or, or PayPal. So we'll, we'll go Disney and, and then one of the, the payments, new type of name, Square or PayPal. Who do you want to throw it to? What you pick? Daddy, you want to take Disney? Sure. I was actually working on it right now. Give me two seconds. I'm going to throw a 30-minute chart up into the nest. Uh, it looks pretty good. It came right into the uh, 61.8% Fibonacci retracement. So it looks like that's acting as pretty good resistance, of course, Fibs, fibs aren't going to really play that big of a part once you go into earnings. Uh, earnings are going to do what earnings are going to do. Uh, so I just tossed that up into the next. Uh, looking at the daily chart, um, we've got a bunch of gap downs. And so when you see gap downs, like that first one looks like on uh, earnings back in November on November 10th, that looks like an acceleration gap to the downside off of 1-2. So that potentially was our wave 3. Then we had an ABC retracement back up to about January 12th high, right at 159. That looks like our wave four. And then you had another gap down, actually two gap downs, uh, one on January 14th and another one on January 21st. Uh, that potentially, January 24th, could be our wave five to the downside bottom. And now looking back to the upside, if you look at that 30-minute chart, to me, this looks like a one-two-one-two setup to the upside. So here's what we're looking at. When you have a one-two-one-two setup to the upside, that second one-two is the one-two of your wave three. Now, what do we always see in wave threes? A gap to the upside. Okay. Now, this is Elliott Wave, right? These are the rules. That doesn't necessarily mean that Disney's going to gap up tomorrow, or uh, excuse me, on on earnings uh, tonight. But if it does then that confirms our wave three activity to the upside. And so what I would be watching for is Disney to go uh, on a gap up to the upside. If that does happen, then that's our wave three activity. Now, of course, I would never play earnings on a gamble. However, what we would do is on the gap up, we would tag a anchored VWAP right to that gap up candle. That's going to be our power earnings gap up play. And then we watch for the next week or two how does price react to that anchored view app? Do we continue to continually pull back and bounce? If we get a first pullback and bounce off that anchored view app, then I would watch for that second bounce, second pullback bounce, like the, uh, be right back, the bounce, uh, the, uh, uh, the breakout retest bounce. And that second one, I would take a trade and then use that powered earnings gap, uh, gap up anchored view app as my stop loss. Uh, but that's that's how I would look at Disney. I mean, obviously, it's a huge company, right? It's not going anywhere. Uh, Disney Plus subscribers uh, keep going up. Uh, I think everything is going to dependent on going to be dependent on earnings and the the earnings call. But yeah, I, I, I my spidey senses from an Elliott Wave perspective say we gap up tomorrow. Whether we gap up a lot, a little, I don't know. Uh, but spidey that's senses. Here. <laughs> my spidey senses. You like that? I do. I mean, you're going to have to start using that more often. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm just really giving a technical thesis from now on. You can just say, hey, guys, I'm long on this stock because of my spidey senses. <laughs> no, that was that was the yeah, that was the tie into uh, to Marvel. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I mean, looking at it from an Elliott Wave perspective, looking at it from from that 30 minute chart that I posted upside, you know, we, we've had nice bounces off that bottom channel. And that's exactly what we're seeing and kind of seeing like a little bit of a cup and handle forming here on against that 618 at 144. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I would play it. I would watch to see do we get a gap up tomorrow? We've got a really we've got two big gaps to the upside. We've got that gap, the the gap on January 21st, as I mentioned. And we have another gap above that above 153 from January 14th. So I would watch to see. I mean, there's very there's a very good potential to make a move to 159 if the numbers look good that's possibly where i would see a top on any kind of gap up that we may get but that's what i'm looking at okay perfect thank you i know that the next one that you wanted was square matt do you want to touch on square yes sir let me make a chart really quick for square hold on one second um okay let's take a look uh square is in this mean reverting state looks like uh the numbers i'm getting uh, 110 base hedge pressure. So we actually are on the downside of that. And, uh, but 105 support. So the idea that we dipped through 105 and held and 110 is resistance, we're just going to kind of sit between those. And like I, I, I was saying today, I took a really short scalp. So this is day six of the winning streak. And I closed out immediately after everything dipped and started hanging on. And I think I'm done for the day. I don't expect a rally square doesn't really have any positive moves um, period until 115 is a clean break. So just showing like everything else is everything is just sandwiched today. And um, I don't know what kind of sandwiches you guys like, but I don't like an S&P sandwich. That's for sure. Just take the scalp to the middle and then call it a day. So I'm not going to try to guess on either side. But yeah, 110 uh, is resistance and 105 is support and square. If you guys have any tickers really quick, uh, feel free to throw any, any other ones at me while y'all got me here. Evan, what was the other one? I did say PayPal, but it tends to be very similar to Square. So let me take a, let me give you some numbers, Evan. One second, brother. Hold on. One PayPal. Yeah, PayPal has the exact same setup. The algorithm showing mean reverting state, um, shortened down, which means one thirty two and a half is uh, monthly hedge pressure. So that's sort of the February eighteenth um, expiration. Let me actually load the chart up really quick. Um, 130 hedge pressure. So that is basically resistance and looks like we tapped that right at the open and sold off. Um, and 125 support. Yeah, it looks exactly like square. It's exactly the same thing. 125 base, 130 as far as positional range. So we're just kind of trading from one side to the other. Um, yeah, so same thing. Yeah, you nailed it, Devin. No breakout past 130 is a breakout. Uh, below 125 is a breakdown. So I think uh, everything else is just kind of sit pretty today. I think, uh, and one thing to take note of is we have this key level that we measure in the VIX. Um, it's used in VIX futures contracts, and this is going to go for all stocks in the S&P, everybody out there, just keep in mind. Um, if you guys ever want a, a cool little trick, do this for now and just watch it and 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 see what see what happens. Write down the number 2297, 22.97. This is on VX. This is the VIX futures contract. And this is a trick that has to do with the hedging around the contango. I'm not going to give you a lesson on contango if you don't know what that is. Just understand that that is a very key pivot. Uh, we're bouncing there right now. 
And what happens is if volatility has, tends to be very hedged at that level, and if we have a runaway reaction from there sometimes, it can create abnormal selling pressure. Literally, as I'm talking, the bounce is taking place. That number will stay put until the third Wednesday of the month. So that will be the 16th. Keep that number and put slash VX and think or swim VIX futures. And you look at the front month and watch. Watch how crazy volatile the market gets when we bounce off of that number. And we're bouncing off of it today. So volatility, don't confuse that with the sell-off. Don't confuse that with the bear market. Volatility just means illiquid. And the market's going to range very, very wide. And this usually adds a boost to volatility, which means the range usually gets bigger. So this is a time for bull and bear traps. And they happen all the time at this exact point. So there's a trick I'm teaching you guys. So, so put it in your thinkorswim slash VX, 22.97. And watch what happens today. I'll actually post the chart of it too. Um, and X could pull all stocks down if it does. Um, but not to sell off, just to range a little wider. Okay, any more tickers? Any guy? So Floyd, his hand raised. Did he have a ticker? He might have had a play. Okay. What's up, Stoflo? Oh, sorry, guys. I was I was just uh, watching a trade, but um, kind of going back, I want to connect. Each time I talk, I want to connect what I looked at, what we talked about right before. Um, but we were talking about that BA bounce at two oh nine, or sorry, two oh eight. We saw the breakout retest. I went ahead and just pinned it at the top. I, I do want to say breakout retests are so, in my opinion, they're very simple. They're not, you know, it just requires you to kind of not have FOMO, right? Like you see a stock breakout, a lot of people just want to buy it and let it run, right? But no, I mean, most of the time you just wait for a little retest and you'll get a better fill. You'll get a much better profit on your trade, especially if you're trading options. Um, and that's one thing that I, you know, it's such a simple topic, simple aspect, but obviously, you know, there there are other factors that move the market. Uh, but if you have a name that has momentum and has strength for a reason, I love playing the breakout retest. Um, and that's what, I mean, you guys heard it here live. We were talking about BA for the breakout retest at 208, 209. We saw that and it bounced all the way up to 212. Uh, same thing with XLNX. We saw the breakout retest, uh, which we discussed here on live at 212. And we saw that move all the way up to 215 before getting rejected right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope, I mean, I don't know if anyone played it or not. Uh, obviously, I was a little busy with the Discord. But uh, with that being said, this was a, you know, fantastic way to learn uh, live as well how to do a little breakout retest. So I appreciate Wolf for having these. I mean, you know, you, you get to see how some of these things play out in real time, right? Like, it's not just a post and then a post showing before and after. No, I mean, if you're there, if you're at home, wherever you are, you're able to actually see the movements and why we would execute a certain trade based on, you know, momentum or a retest or a FIB level. And Danny's, you know, his, I love his analysis. I learned so much from it. So big shout out to Danny as well. But yeah, man, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Thank you. Appreciate that. I, I was actually going to say on BA, that was a really great call. I'm going I'm to post a chart in two seconds. Uh, it's a one, two, three, four, five. That wave four pullback, we just came and tagged that one, six, one, eight to the upside at two, twelve. So excellent call out there. Interesting uh, stock I'm looking at right here, which had a big run up and is coming back down. Is Netflix stock talk? Any thoughts on Netflix here, which had that drop from earnings? ran back up to 467 and then promptly has fallen for four straight sessions. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I'm kind of glad, not that it's fallen, but I'm kind of glad that I got out of that trade. I swung it or started swinging it with calls and equity once Ackman acquired those shares, which I can't remember when that was now. I think about two weeks ago. Um, and we just wrote it up for what was an insane move in like three sessions. I mean, the rally after the Ackman purchase was crazy. So just played it like a catalyst trade. Um, you know, the calls went up like 350%. So we're out, we got out of all of those, or at least I did, um, pretty close to the top. Um, I sold my calls when it was trading at 430. So, I mean, it topped up at what, like 457. So, I mean, I was about $25 away from the top. So I don't want to say nailed the top, but I mean, I'm glad I got out of them because, you know, we're seeing a reversal now back to the mean, um, the way this is headed, barring like major strike in the indexes, so it's probably headed back to 360 to 365. Um, we'll see though. Uh, I mean, there's a couple, it's trying to stay like a magnet right now around 400, uh, kind of trickling down right here. We'll see if it gives it up. It probably will, um, unless we see a reversal in the queues or in spy, but, um, it is basically magnetizing to that 400 level exactly right now um attempting a forfeit so we'll see but i mean yeah i mean i like netflix i think it was definitely oversold off that earnings uh i think you know with stocks that are getting smacked on earnings over the last few weeks i don't think that we can just rely on you know technicals or fundamentals to gauge a rebound because you know these names are requiring catalysts or or things that'll shift sentiment um, so you need, you need either an institution to step in, you need a PR, you need something to catalyze buyers in these names because you know, this isn't a bid heavy market. This isn't a market where every dip is going to get bought. I think we've seen that over the course of the last few months, uh, very different from the 2020 and 2021 markets, you know, in 2020 and 2021, it felt like you could buy a dip on anything that was down. Um, and you'd be green within a few sessions, not the case anymore. Um, I think more and more stocks now, especially the primary runners, like when you're looking at, you know, if you're using a scanner or you're using your own watch list for the day um, over the course of the last few weeks, the big runners have all been catalyzed runners. You know, there's been very few, you know, stocks that have been running purely out of chart reversals. Um, you know, it's either been short covering or catalyst driven runners primarily, at least when you're talking about the double digit gainers, you know, the big movers of the day. So, you know, continues to be a sentiment driven market, continues to be a news driven market. Um, you know, we have CPI data printing this week on Thursday. So we'll see what that does. Um, I was expecting a bit, a bit of selling strength going into that. Maybe today we close green. Who knows? I mean, the cues look like they're trying to hold green. Um, we'll see how that turns out, but I expect a little bit of selling pressure, whether it's the day before or, or maybe even after, I guess. But, um, you know, the prints, the, the surveys that came in last week, um, the economist surveys from last week are saying that we should expect a 7.3% print, which would be higher than last month's print, which is, is no bueno. You know, the, the from a monetary policy perspective, bulls want the Fed to have a reason to be dovish, right? That's what bulls want, uh, and that's what bullish sentiment wants. So in order for the Fed to have a reason to be dovish, you need to see two things. Primarily, number one, you need to see inflation prints cool. And number two, you need to see some sort of uncertainty in the labor markets. Right now, we're going the opposite direction of both of those things. If we print a 7.3 to 7.5% 7 CPI on Thursday, 
And we also have, you know, non-farm payroll numbers coming in like we saw last week, which was a massive beat in non-farm payrolls last week. You know, if the Fed sees labor market participation and they see rising inflation, they're going to be even more hawkish, right? The, if we see a big CPI print on, on Thursday and then we also continue to see ramping payroll numbers, there's a very high likelihood that we get a 50 basis point hike in March as opposed to a 25 basis point hike. Market won't like that, um, you know, largely because it's just contrary to expectations. Also because it could steepen the pace of monetary policy changes. You know, the last thing the market wants is 50 basis point hikes at every meeting. If we get to that point, I mean, that is a very, very drastic hiking, uh, sorry, or constriction of monetary policy um, at a rapid pace. You know, the market probably wants, you know, 25 basis point hikes every other meeting. I would imagine that that would be bullish, at least in the short term. I'm not sure we're going to get that at this point. You know, I was hoping um, and, and not based on any data, I was just purely hoping as an optimist that we would see a cooler print um, this Thursday. But the surveys so far are not saying that. Um, and the White House is also implying that they still expect, uh, you know, energy prices and food prices uh, to carry inflation higher in the short term. Uh, members of the Fed have said the same thing, that they don't expect inflation to cool until the summer. Um, so. Yeah, it's definitely a concern for bulls. You know, like I said, you it, buyers need an excuse right now to step in and be buyers. Um, that's why you've seen such a lack of breath. That's why you've seen most of these big moves, uh, you know, be caused by short covering rather than by outright equity purchasers. You know, people aren't coming in and buying droves of equity um, in many names. So to get that catalyzed, you need the monetary policy situation to change. I'm not sure we're there yet. Okay. Anybody else want to weigh in on the more macroeconomic uh, approach that StockTalk has just been talking about? Any other speakers, feel free to cut in or just raise your hand if you want to talk about macro. Sure. sure. Okay, what's up, Matt? I'll, cu- I'll cut in. Um, sorry for not raising my hand. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's hard to disagree with what Stock Talk, Stock Talk has said. It was brilliantly stated. He nailed all points. You know, it, and you just have to think about how Wall Street is behaving, right? But as a trader, we always tell people there's there's motivations behind what you have to see. And Wall Street has motivations, right? And Wall Street is trying to price in something um, before it happens, right? I think I'm getting feedback through Stock Talks, Mike. Oh, my bad. Is my mic still unmuted? I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> um, but anyways... Um, I, I think that the way that you have to think of the motivation of traders, Wall Street is used to getting rate hikes and used to getting rate cuts and behaves appropriately. Now, the idea is that we're just seeing a lot of shifting around of, of, of money trying to find its place to go. And if you guys want to learn about fundamentals and macro, very clearly, this is the easiest way to remember it, right? Do you want to know when we talk about inflation? Inflation has to do with the spending power of your money. So inflation in a, in a general sense is the direct translation of labor into a product that you can buy, labor into sales. So if you work and you make a dollar an hour, first of all, that would suck. But if you work to make a dollar an hour and a dollar but a cup of coffee, this is your textbook example, um, and the price of a cup of coffee goes to a dollar five. No longer does an hour of your labor translate to a cup of coffee. Therefore, you have to work a little harder to get that cup of coffee. 
right? Which means that person who sold you the coffee, their money doesn't turn around and buy as much of what you made in your productivity. So inflation tends to, you know, hurt people's ability to buy the stuff they want um, with the labor they put in or whatever they produce. So when you have inflation, it can come in two different forms. You have a traditional type of inflation, which can come from the abundance of economic activity. An example, I have a restaurant and there's a line that wraps around the block and Stock Talk opens a restaurant. We both have competing steakhouses and they're going to be damn good because both love steaks. Um, they're going to be across the street too. And we both have people line up around the block, right? Um, there is no limit to our success. Him and I are not at a price war with each other. We're actually maybe raising raising prices because we can because there's an abundance. We know that if my steak was you know twenty four dollars a pound and I made it twenty five or twenty six or twenty seven, I'm not. People aren't going to care about a price raise, right? Because they have so much abundance themselves, they won't notice it. And you start to notice that, and this is what causes inflation. That and in another factor, population growth. Long story there, but reality when you have just overabundance, people will raise prices because they want to make a little more money. Um, banks will give out more loans because they want to make more money. The The rate of defaults go down when more people have jobs and have abundance. So that's not the kind of inflation we have now. Um, the kind of, I guess they call it cost push inflation is the name of it. Basically, it's inflation that's caused by scarcity. It's the inflation that causes your, I don't know, that your 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 wife or husband, whoever likes Celine Dion, which you get a ticket and they're sold out and you got a guy buy from the guy in the trench coat hiding on the side of the venue for 10 times the value to get in. That's the kind of inflation we're dealing with now. Ticket scalpers, people that are hoarding the supply and controlling the price. And this is the key uh, macroeconomic thing you should always write down on a sticky note. He who controls the inventory controls the price. And with the lack of inventory, um, in the few hands that it's in, and we learned that through oil. Oil is com was completely throttled by the cartel. Um, it can control the price because they control a huge chunk of the supply. And so that kind of inflation cannot, cannot be cured by anything the Fed can do. The only thing the Fed can do is make it worse by destimulating the economy or destimulating the stock market or destimulating spending because people are scared to invest their money. When you invest your money in something that can, uh, can equitably appreciate then you're fighting inflation. Inflation is almost like a bucket with a hole in it. Your dollar or your spending power loses money by a certain rate. 2% of year is the Fed's target. So imagine a bucket that loses 2% of its volume a year. So people will park their money in something that at least should grow 2% a year or not. If you ever looked at your 401k, you might have noticed that the stock market tends to go up at least that much. And the reason why the stock market goes up, or at least the indices go up, is also because of inflation. Everything inflates, including your stocks. So not all rallies are actually bull markets. Most of the time, rallies are just your stock market going from a dollar to a dollar five a cup of coffee, right? People are just parking money there because it the the hole in the bucket is smaller than cash. The hole in its bucket, and that's what you start to see in in normal periods of inflation. And this kind of inflation. It's a really weird environment because you know scarcity goes away. It's always transitory. It will it will change. We'll, we'll get products back on the shelf. People get their jobs back. And this kind of um, scarcity is cured by improvements in the labor market. The only thing that the Fed can do is, is tailor everything they can to not make people lose their jobs again. If they over-tighten, the stock market tends to pull back. And if you're a company... Um, that's laid people off during COVID and 
you're now on the last kind of nail on your coffin financially. You can't get a loan because of this environment it makes it hard for you to get a loan. And then, of course, your stock just fell 40% because of bad earnings in a scarce environment. Now you don't have the prospect of having capital to even afford to pay the people you want to come back who are at home because of COVID. And so if you over-tighten and collapse the stock market, then maybe people could lose their jobs again. And, and I know Jay Powell knows that because every time he speaks, he's very well scripted on preserving the labor market. So you have to be very, very understanding that this type of inflation, what the Fed says and does will completely be neutralized. I don't believe any rate hikes are going to do anything but prove that they believe that the economy is recovering enough to support equities at this level. We just kind of came off the overbought territory and kind of came back down to a little bit of normalcy. This type of inflation and this type of behavior is nothing but bullish for the long term because the Fed knows they can they can take these actions. They're trying to take as much action as they can to push liquidity and economical, I guess, duty, the duty of us to carry the torch. If they didn't believe that we had the jobs to support the productivity needed to drive competition to lower prices and bring products back on the shelves. The, act, the behaviors of the Fed, in my opinion, are trusting that we're okay. That's what it tells me. Okay, guys, you know, or we're the, the five-year-old or the three-year-old on the bike and they take off the training wheels and we're wobbling around a little bit, but we'll be fine, right? And I don't think that this behavior at all warrants any kind of recession because what happens is after COVID, right, we recovered very heavily. As people under, people that understand everything I just said knew this in summer of 2020. That's why they bought the dip so aggressively. All the smartest heads in the room know what I just taught you just now. And that's why the market rallied so hard because they squeezed every short out that didn't understand that, that shutting all the businesses down is not bad for the long haul. Eventually, we'll get back to normal. And everybody got long on that understanding. And now we're seeing what happens when we're kind of taking a little bit of profits and the people still short are still getting squeezed. So people aren't believing in a bear market. All the evidence is there. It doesn't mean we're not cycling a little bit more, but Jay Powell would not be taking drastic measures to tighten or over tighten if there was a risk to collapsing the stock market. And you always say the Fed doesn't look at the stock market, but in this type of inflation, I believe they do because they know that they can't make companies or CEOs timid about hiring people back. Because if you slow down labor, what happens if we crash again? Right, we, we we fall immediately back to square one. Uh, remember that furniture order that took I don't know eight months to come in from China. Imagine it going back to that, but doubling because people now have no faith in recovery if it happens a second time. So if we over tighten, it's not just a recession; it's a great depression and it's a worse one. So they have to be very careful. And in this market, I'm going to teach you guys something I know as a trader. What what I do when I'm being careful is that the market loves good rumors. Okay. We love good rumors. And the way that Jay Powell is probably going to do it, remember, I'm trying to forecast. I'm trying to get ahead of what I think people are going to do. Yes, we know rate hikes are coming. Yes, maybe 50 basis points in the first go around. But really think about this, right? All Jay Powell has to do is raise rates and then immediately following in the minutes of the press conference and say, yeah, we might only do three this year. You know, my, we might we might change our mind of that last one at the end of the year. And what's going to happen in the market? It's going to fly straight up, right? While they're raising rates, right? It's going to drive a very, very, very tight 
rope, right? And I think that if you listen to what he says in that narrative, I think it's going to be like that. He's going to give a little push, give a little pull, raise rates, but throw out some dovish words. You know, raise rates, throw out some dovish words, let some things clear off the balance sheet, but throw out some dovish words. You know what that's going to do? It's going to keep the stock market from collapsing. I don't think we're going to go into that mode. And I think that his words are going to be more powerful than the actions. We've already priced in the actions. So listen for that good news and that good rumor and those those good announcements in those press conferences. And you'll you'll hear what I'm talking about. All he has to do is give you a little hope um, and the stock market will be okay. Really well stated there, Matt. And perfect timing as we went into this macro section because Peter just came on as well. Peter, I think you caught the end of what Matt was saying. Good morning. How's everything going? What's up, guys? Matt, you're so right on, man. I absolutely love it. That awesome, was, brother. You know, you still look, you said what was in my mind and I haven't been able to even verbalize it, right? Because, you know, I really try and figure that stuff out. But you know what? We have priced in the knowledge, but we haven't priced in the narrative. And I know, I, I'm so happy. I just hopped on for that by accident because I've had a, I'm started at a new company today called Trade Moz. My son and I got a great offer at another firm. Uh, we're just moving 50 feet away from our old firm, but it was a great opportunity for my son. He's 28 years old, been in the biz with me for three years. It's a, a young firm. Guy's been, used to be a market maker and he owns the, guys, this is something I will reach out to you about. He, they own the largest uh, uh, option execution firm on the floor of the stock exchange. So if anybody wants a actually to, to have uh, access to an option pit, and want to trade, reach out to me. I'm sure Gergavin will want to or whatever. But these guys, it's called Trade Moss. They're amazing. It's a young firm, so I'm super excited about that. A little shout out there. But Matt, you put in the words what I've been trying to think. You know, we always talk about the, you know, the actions, but you said it in such a great way. We've priced in the actions, but not the narrative. And, I, you know, look, the bottom line is I've been talking about it lately, about the fact that when people go down on J-Pow, and, and, and I said, guys, you know what, if he hadn't done, I'm a fan of his... <laughs> I know everybody gets political and whatever about it, but if he hadn't done what he did, you know, on March 20th, we would be, you know, in bread lines, in my opinion, at the moment, would be looking like 1929. So whatever you think for what he did in the stimulus and printing money and all that, I don't think we really were, we were, we were shielded by the decimation, potential decimation of a complete economic global collapse by what he did. All that being said, you know, and I talked about it last week with you guys. It was so curious about the reaction on Wednesday when they said what they said. It should, it's been on the menu for five, five months already, guys. We've known that they're going to be, whether it's two or five or six or seven raises next year. We knew about the taper. We knew about all that. And it's so funny because, look, the response to the market when they said we're not raising rates, not that anybody thought they were going to do an, a shock and awe <clears throat> you know, boost last Wednesday, but it was a thousand point rally in the market. And then as Jay Powell had gave his narrative, the news conference, which is always way more powerful than the action, you know, he talked his way into a friggin' bear market. And, it could, you know, it contributed to that wild week of the reversals that we saw over and over and over again. Right. But I agree with Matt in so many ways. I think I would love to see a 50 point. Look, you know, it's like ripping the uh, Band-Aid off, guys. You know, 25 basis points isn't going to do shit. We are going to try and rally into uh, um, uh, raise rates into somewhat of a strengthful market or a reopening economy. I think that's what we want. And I think the market can adapt and absorb 
anything, right? It always has. You know, whether there's a, a, a negative reaction initially, the market will figure it out. The big players in the game have already positioned themselves. But I would love to see a little bit of that 50-point shock and awe and then a nice sort of a come here, give, let me give you a hug type narrative, you know, that it's going to be okay and we're going to do this and everything's going to be fine. And I agree with Matt on that. That's probably going to be what's going to happen. Look, whether we have four, five, six, or seven, I don't know. I'm not a friggin' economist. And they're going to basically, you know, as they always say, it'll be a data-driven decision, right? You know, uh, 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 the narrative is more important than the action. I love that. You put in words what I've been dying to friggin', you know, come to grips with uh, in the last couple of weeks, Matt. So I thank you for that. Thank you so much. That's That means a lot coming from you. Appreciate it. Honored, honored, man. You know, look, guys, it's so hard to really well, understand. So it's so hard to understand what's going on. I just, uh, so I've had my morning from hell, you know, you move over to a new company, you know, we're on the floor of the exchange. You've got to like cancel this stuff and reopen this stuff and move mnemonics and reopen accounts at a new place. And, and you can't close one till you reopen the other. You can't reopen till you close. And of course, Murphy's law, anything and everything that can go wrong did, you know, we did tests on Friday. Everything looked great. We came in this morning and we had no access to our handheld, no logins. It was a cluster F, I'm sorry to say. So I sort of did not come a hop on the call a little bit earlier. But as I was coming on, I wanted to have some sense of what the market was doing. And it's fascinating to see some of the price action. I mean, look at Facebook. You know, well, it's great to listen to the narrative. Obviously, we saw them really decimate the stock. And it's kind of curious. I've never seen it before. Then we saw a little bit of a dead cat bounce on Friday. And everyone's calling me going, yo, you told me not to do anything. Let it ride out its price action. And then, you know, I saw it go down to 230, pop up to 238. And I'm going like, did I make a mistake? And we're right back down to 232, right? You know, you, you look at Google. You know, I, I tried to analyze what stocks do when they when they announce a stock split. And we and I sort of the research I found was one of the reasons they do rally into the split, even though it's kind of silly, is that it's a short cover because of what people are going to have to, you know, uh, pay for, uh, 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 you know, the borrow that they had. And it wasn't the biggest short position, you know, uh, on Wall Street by any means. There's not a lot big short position on Google, but we've seen it. What did it get up to 3,200? Now it's back down to the 28s. So the price action, a lot of the names are curious. We saw the chip makers rally up big time today. We saw some of the other names sort of doing the, 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 the kangaroo move. So I'm, I'm just fascinated to watch what happens. You know, it's only the morning. The market is sort of you know, it's tamped down by any kind of a big move right now. But I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Well, the, uh, Evan or Stock Talk, do you guys want to weigh in on that? I can come in. If, I, okay. I do have a, I, I do have a side question, but uh, it would kind of bring us a little bit off this topic. So if anyone else did want to come in on that, uh, totally leave it open. I'll come in after for questions. Stock Talk, any macro thoughts in relation to what Peter said? Sorry, I was looking at uh, my watches. I didn't hear everything that Peter said, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I kind of spoke on it earlier. It's just, you know, this is an environment where, uh, you know, viewing stocks in a technical or fundamental vacuum doesn't work. Um, if you don't have awareness about the yields, awareness about the monetary policy, right. you're going to be behind the ball on rotations and you're going to be behind the wall ball on on rudders as well. So, you know, sentiment's the leading indicator in a market like this. Um, and it's driven by monetary policy primarily and then, you know, behind the curve on on rotational themes and trends. So, 
you know, people are going to argue and tell you that you can trade this market, you know, in a vacuum. I, I, I just don't believe that intraday potentially, you know, if you're purely day trading and you're just, you know, day trading uh, from a technical perspective, yeah, you can do that. But if you're holding anything overnight or swinging anything, um, and you don't, you're not aware of the course of monetary policy, you're not aware of how yields are reacting. You're not aware of, you know, what the next steps are. Like a lot of people that I talked to over the weekend, you know, in my discord, uh, a lot of traders I talked to over the weekend didn't even know that CPI was printing this week. Right. A trader who's trading in this environment and you're not checking the economic calendar weekly, you should be. And if you check, check the economic calendar weekly and you see events that you're not familiar with, right? Like there's still new traders that have been trading for the last two years that still don't know what CPI is. They don't know what PPI is. They don't know why it matters to the Fed. They don't know how it would affect Federal Reserve policy. These things may seem like superfluous information to you. It may feel like, oh, I don't need to know that to trade. And maybe potentially you don't if you're purely trading intraday and, and you want to you know, be ignorant to the to the larger macroeconomic events. Sure, maybe you'll be able to survive that. But um, if you want to swing trade and if you want to view this uh, market holistically and be able to understand the lack of breath, be able to understand why certain themes are hot, you know, why why is energy outperforming? Why have financials outperformed? When you want to understand those things, understanding the monetary policy will tell you exactly why. So, you know, it, it, to me, it just makes you a better trader. Um, you know, again, I've, I know I say this repetitively. I am not in the school of thought that anyone should trade in a vacuum, whether you're a technical uh, trader or a fundamental trader or an investor even. Um, you should have a broader understanding of the economy and of macroeconomics. It will just make you better equipped in a market like this. You'll just better understand why sectors are moving why other sectors are not, why high multiple names are dumping. I mean, look at the look at the last 10 green days in the queues and go look at the breadth of performance you had in growth in tech stocks. There's no breadth. So even when the even when the indexes are green, you're seeing a massive lack of breadth and you're seeing selling in names that might be related to or even fall under those indexes. Why is that? That's because of a tightening monetary policy and a tightening liquidity overall. And if you understand that, then you'll better be able to justify it. And, you know, you won't be deer in the headlights confused as to why certain names that you may like are selling off or why certain rotations are happening. So, you know, education is the best tool in a market like this. Um, you know, I've been really trying to drive that home through my Twitter page and my Discord. But the more you know in a market like this, the more you will feel um, more certain about the decisions you're making and less you know, confused. I know people that have been rotating uh, just purely by taking money off the table because they're conf so confused at the price action. You know, it, it, if you just take, you know, it, you don't even need to spend more than a weekend on this, right? This isn't esoteric information. I know a lot of the terms that are thrown around about yields and, you know, quantitative tightening and, um, you know, interest rate hikes. Some of this information or terms m might sound, you know, highbrow or esoteric to new traders. The reality is it's not hard to learn these things. They're just simple terms, simple concepts. You can jump on Investopedia. You should be looking up, like, if you're a new trader, every single time you hear a term you don't know what it means, 
Get on Google, get on Investopedia, learn what it means. This is how you slowly but surely build your knowledge base as a trader. And next time you're in an environment where we have a tightening monetary policy, you'll know exactly what's going on and you'll know why. And it will make you so much better equipped. So please do yourself the favor if you're a new trader of educating yourself on these things. You know, I know it's boring or it may come across as boring. Some of you just want to click buy and sell buttons all day. But if you want a proper fundamental understanding of the market and why certain sectors outperform others, it's very, very important to know these things. Yes, Peter. You completely also put into words what I was thinking. That I, I, I have to just give you a huge shout out and kudos on what you just said to everybody. Because you know what? I'm always a firm believer in using technicals to day trade. But you know what? This is a time, a generational time, where the information that you just talked about, it's all, everyone should be taking this opportunity. Look, a lot of new, we have 40 million new traders in the market over the last two years. And a lot of them think they have diamond hands. And a lot of them are doing a lot of wild, funny stuff. But the bottom line is, educating themselves about why stocks do what they do, that's kind of what I do, uh, uh, is, is, is so important, right? And it doesn't mean you have to trade on it anticipatorily. It doesn't mean you're gonna understand it at first, but trying to understand that stuff will give you a longer, a longer term perspective on why things do what they do, why stocks do things, why sectors do things. And it will, you know, look, I, I, what I love about my job is it something I love to do. It, I lo it gets me up in the morning. And, you know, when something gets my attention, I love to pay attention and learn. You cannot be, look, you can get lucky in this market hitting a, hitting a button, a buy button or a short button, and, you know, when, when the FOMO or the hype goes in your direction or whatnot. But you're going to go to the well one or two times uh, and make some money and then it's going to really blow up in your face unless you really understand it. This is a time where you should be spending Look, when markets are this way and they're really hard to trade, this is the time you should be going into the nooks and crannies, exactly what Stock Talk said, whether it's Google, Investopedia, learn what those names mean, learn what they could. Now, look, markets are not reacting the way they used to. I always say it's not your grandfather's stock market. But this is a pivotal generational time to learn what are the moving parts on this thing. It's like taking apart a car and putting it back together so that at the end of the day, you don't need to know it perfectly and you don't need to become a mechanic, but you need to become a mechanic of the markets to understand exactly what CPI is, what yields do, what all that PPI does, what is the potential reaction in the marketplace to tightening, to the taper, to the interest rate raises. Now, there's no guarantee that you, in my opinion, I don't believe that once you see historically what these things have done to the market, you should react on them anticipatorily because the market is not reacting the way it used to react. But watch. So when the news, that kind of info comes out, be patient. Look at the price action. If you are a day trader, you're going to see volatility around those names that are affected around CPI and yield and whatnot. And then plug in your names into your technical analysis and take advantage of that wild volatility, right? But avail yourself of that information. Just being a sort of a, you know, scooting the top of the ocean on this thing may work and may be fun a little bit. But you know what? You guys are the next generation of the investment community and the trading community. You should be taking this time to educate yourself on absolutely everything. That's the key to becoming good at this and be in it for the long haul, right? Because you want to be educated in the space. You want to know. But I, I reaffirm the fact that the market is not reacting to all this information the way it used to. So learn the words, learn the information, learn what the historic reaction to the markets is. 
And don't make a bet on it anticipatorily. We've seen earnings come out, CPIs come out, you know, taper come out that should be sort of, you know, uh, bearish sentiment and the market goes up a thousand points. So be careful of that because there are a lot of people swinging around a lot of big, sh- sh- you know, stupors at this point. So it's hard to predict what's going to happen. But availing yourself and educating yourself is, is the best thing. Stock Talk had it 100%. Big shout out there, man. Fantastic. Anything you want to add to that Stock Talk? Nope. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, you just have to, there's, there's no harm in learning more stuff, right? Like there's very, <laughs> it's very often perceived by technical traders. Like I don't need another fundamentals. And then fundamental traders say, I don't need another technicals. And that's like a very pervasive thing for some reason, but knowledge can't hurt you being aware of these things. It, it literally can't hurt you. Um, and it's just going to make you more aware of why those rotations are happening. And, um, yeah, so just just stay aware of those things and um, you know pair it with your trading style. Whatever your trading style is, you know having a little bit more knowledge about the broader financial ecosystem is going to make your trading decisions. Whether you're getting in or out of plays, what sectors you're trading, you're going to just have so much more uh, clarity and and confidence with the decisions you're making when you know you're aware of, of the broader financial ecosystem. And so. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not hard to learn, guys. If I can learn it, if, if Peter can learn it, if Vegas, Juicy, Danny can learn it, like any of you can learn it, too. We don't have some, um, you know, special ability to do it. It's just a matter of putting in the work, learning the terms and learning the impact. And, you know, going back and looking at the historical reactions, like Peter said, go look, you know, briefly at previous monetary policy tightening um, historically and look how it affected stocks. And you'll have a much tighter uh, understanding of, of what's happening now. Yep, that definitely makes sense. Um, okay, yeah, I mean, I think we hit on a lot of great macro points. We talked a little bit about the Fed. Uh, I think, you know, Stockbuck, you laid out a great several items that people should be paying attention to, uh, you know, in reports and economic calendars and other areas. Peter, if anybody hasn't already checked him out, has been working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for 35 years fantastic connection to make if anybody is in the crowd. I see Jay Woods is in the crowd too. I'd love to get him up here if he's able to join for a minute and chat with us. I'm sure you'd love that, Peter. Okay. Uh, Evan, how's that, Peter? Jay Woods is the man. I'll say one last quick thing, guys. There's a new app that came out this morning uh, called Quant Data. It's been on board for a while. They do unusual option activity. They source the information directly from the exchanges. They're not like a lot of the horseshit guys out there, you know, just reposting other people's information. It just became an app on iOS, uh, Apple this morning. Uh, Two young people I'm partnering up with. They're the real deal, guys. So check out, there's a seven-day free trial. Quant data, if you guys are trading options and you want to know what the big guys know and what the big guys are doing, it's actually, once again, a great educational tool. And so I recommend you check it out. And I recommend you check out Jay Woods. He's the man. That's cool that they have an app now. I actually actually use Quant data every day, uh, personally. So that is my go-to. I just like the interface. Um, Okay, Evan, uh, we're coming up on two hours here. Are there any other topics that we want to throw in? Uh, Maybe anything looking ahead to earnings or anything like that? Um, I mean, there's not much going on right now. We are kind of – a lot of stuff in the market tends to happen before the market's open, around that open period, and then we tend to pick back up around the close in that power hour. So not much extra going on right now. We could talk a little bit about 
the earnings coming up throughout the week, but I know we will also be live a lot. So I am really down for whatever I can list through some of the upcoming earnings days. I can give us some expectations if you wanted to, but uh, down for really kind of whatever you want to do here. Yeah, let's do that as our last segment, then we'll just go around. All right. Perfect. I don't know if you guys so, just saw the news, but Rumble Video CFVI just made a four-year, one hundred million dollar offer to Joe Rogan. Yeah, I posted about it, and I was kind of thinking about it. Like, he has an exclusive deal with Spotify, which means they'd also have to pay Spotify to get him out of that, probably on top of the money they'd have to pay Rogan. So, I have. Do they even have the money for this deal to to do it or whatever? It's I mean, they, they clearly have the cash. They wouldn't be. They would. They wouldn't be offering a hundred million if they didn't have the cash. I'm sure they have a hundred million bucks. The question is. You know, will Spotify remove that contract? I don't know the terms of the agreement between Spotify and Rogan, but I mean, I know that they did remove some of his episodes over the weekend. Um, I think they removed like a hundred episodes. Um, so there's definitely you know a clash there. I don't know what the terms of Rogan's contract with them are, um, and if you know them removing episodes constitutes an ability for him to get out of the contract, that hey, could potentially that be, a, huh? It was at his request. He requested the episodes be removed. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay, well, then that changes it, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it clearly is catalyzing the stock either way. They dro- When they drop that PR, the stock shot up 20%. So um, it's clearly causing moves. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's just a public offer at this juncture. We don't know if Rogan will take that or not um, or if he even can. So we'll see. Did you guys hear yeah, that he got I'm offered? Hi, guys. How's it going? Hey, Tara. Hey, sorry, my voice is terrible. I'm super sick right now. But did you guys see that he got offered a deal with Rumble, Joe Rogan? Yep, that's what we're uh, going over. Oh, that's what okay. we were just talking about. I was just making sure. I came in a little bit late. I could listen. I honestly could just be wrong here, and we'll see what happens from it. I think this is penny stock marketing. We're coming out here trying to get our voice linked with a big topic. This makes sense from the perspective uh, of just in a perfect world, but. He already has an exclusive deal with Spotify. They're not going to – there's going to be a lot of money behind that to get him out of the deal with Spotify, and then you have to pay Joe Rogan. So this would – this feels like one of those things that's just let's link ourselves with it. Let's let's be a random company that says the metaverse. Let's be Rumble and and say Joe Rogan during this this peak time of uh, of his voice and name in the news. Except 22%, so I guess it worked. I mean, bad publicity is still publicity. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be it. I think it's good publicity for Rumble. And I think this is, I'm not saying it's a bad move from them, but this is just what you do when you want your stock to move. Not necessarily, I mean, maybe you just shoot that shot. Yeah, I agree with that. that. It kind of feels like, a, it feels like a, a PR pump more than anything. And I, listen, it, like, does it make sense in this weird, perfect world or whatever? I, I guess, like, from the scenario and it links, maybe. But in the world we're in, I don't think it makes any sense or could ever happen. Okay. I can roll through a couple of the earnings. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. Yeah, so first I'll give you some of the biggest ones just date-wise. A great place to see calendar each week is earnings whispers. Uh, You know, some of the data is interesting, but the the pictures and graphics they they do put out are are really good to see a lot of this stuff. So today after the close, we have earnings from Take-Two. Video game maker. They own games like 2K, uh, a couple other ones out there that I am blanking on for the minute, but I do know a bunch of them. Red Dead Redemption. We'll, we'll stop there though. Chegg. Then tomorrow we have Pfizer before the open and then Peloton after the close, along with Chipotle, Lyft, and Corsair Gaming. 
Uh, then Wednesday, we have CVS Health, Canopy Growth, uh, and then one of my names that I know no one in here is going to really care about, Madison Square Garden, they own the Knicks and the Rangers. They report before the open on Wednesday. Then after the close on Wednesday, we got one of the biggest ones of the week, and that is Disney. Then after that, we have also on Wednesday, Uber, Twilio, Zynga, Sonos, MGM Resorts. Um, it's all coverage there. Moving over to Thursday, we're going to have Twitter, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Datadog, AstraZeneca, and Philip Morris before the open. I don't know if people are going to care about these, but Arcelor, I think the ticker's empty. I shouldn't have even tried the name. Tapestry, Canadian Goose, Canada Goose. Wow. That, that, that was a, a rough couple names right there in the global payments. And then after the close, we have a firm cloud filler. Canadian Zillow. Goose. <laughs> yeah, we just, we're just going with it. I, hey, listen, I've also noticed the self-deprecation after kind of helps a little bit. But uh, Aurora, Expedia, Upwork, Dexcom, HubSpot, Callaway, Bloom Energy after close on Thursday. I've noticed this. People can talk about it. Tuesdays and Thursdays tend to be the largest earnings days, uh, 100%. And then Friday, we're going to have really Under Armour. Cliffs, Cleveland Cliffs, I believe that is. Uh, but not too much there. And then also, side note, I have no idea when this is going to be, but shout out to Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett for being like the only company that I know that reports on the weekends. Uh, I don't know when that is, but they're going to report on a Saturday at some point. But yeah, back to you, Gav. I, do, we, do we want some of the expectations for the largest earnings, or we can talk about it on future calls? Did uh, we talk about Disney yet? No, nah, I don't think too much. Let me get. Let me just get the expectations and, and then stock talk. If you have any thoughts for Disney or anything going into it, I, I know myself and Gav are on the opposite sides of it, so this would be a good one. But uh, at Wednesday after the close, as I said, EPS is expected to come in at sixty three cents, which is up ninety six point nine percent from last year. Obviously, the very COVID quarter, and then revenue is expected to come in at twenty point nine six billion, up twenty nine point up just twenty nine percent year over year. Uh, Stockdown, did you have any thoughts on, on Disney this week? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough to obviously make earnings predictions in this climate, but I love Disney. Um, I always have. I think it's like, you know, phenomenal company. Um, I think it's a little bit undervalued on the multiple side as well, considering the fact that, you know, they've penetrated the digital streaming space very well. They have a ton of IP to continue to create content. Um, their Star Wars content has been great. I know that's just anecdotal, but... Um, you know that they just have so much IP. Um, I've kind of talked about this before. You know, the content game is the digital content game is really an arms race. It's about who can put out, you know, a consistent stream of content, new content regularly. And I think Disney has proven they can do that. Um, and, and I think the platform, at least from a digital streaming perspective, is just going to get better from here. I think another thing that analysts are potentially overlooking is the reopening of the parks as well. Um, as COVID normalizes and, and more people are, you know, willing to travel and go out, I think you're going to see a massive resurgence in the park business also, um, combined with the fact that I think, you know, again, they're being discounted and not being given enough credit for the digital streaming side of the business. Um, you know, I've owned Disney for several years in my IRA, um, but, you know, I haven't added any more shares this year so far. Uh, you know, if we get a big dump on earnings, I probably will look to add more shares um, but I'm, you know, again, I don't play earnings, so I don't want to say that I, I want to play these earnings, but I am kind of tempted to play these. Um, we'll see what the flow looks like going into the day before and, and we'll see how, how bullish or bearish the market is. You know, if we see a big sell off the day of earnings before, 
I might look to play them um, largely because I regret not doing that with Amazon. You know, before the Amazon earnings, what stock was down like 9% headed into earnings. I kind of felt like being a contrarian in that environment, you know, in, in a place where it feels like the sell-off is done before the earnings. If we see a similar price action with Disney headed in, I might look to take calls, but not 100% sold on that idea yet. I want to watch and see the flow for the rest of the week. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see walking in, but I, I love Disney as a company. I think it's one of the more undervalued, you know, mega caps that we have uh, on the market. So we will see, but um, no no direct opinion on a beat or a miss. Uh, I just want to see what the flow looks like going into the, those earnings. Two quick notes. The numbers are expected to come out around 4.05 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. And then second of all, I would actually uh, up the ante on the Star Wars content. I will say the Book of Boba Fett has been fantastic so far for anyone watching. Shout out to that coming back on Wednesday. But, yeah, back to you, Doc. Got you. Um, I see Fun is also running. Uh, Stock Talk, I know that you put in uh, the PR that they did, but it's probably likely as well some sympathy to CFBI and DWAC, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, it, there's sympathy to DWAC. But um, yeah, it was like people were telling me this morning, they're like, do you have insider information? I was like, no, I don't have insider information. But last night, um, Brad uh, Pascal, who is Trump's. Um, 2020 campaign manager he was on twitter spaces last night and he literally said word for word fun is going to have a pr tomorrow morning so i was like all right well that's pretty simple and straightforward so i bought it in pre-market at 3 a.m and it, it blew up so um yeah it was one of the easier trades i've taken in a long time pretty straightforward somebody tells you there's going to be a pr in the morning i mean i don't see any reason to not take a position but yeah i mean i think that's what catalyzed the initial move and i think it's holding up the move because of how strong dwac is today um you know with this kind of price action we probably see dwac over 100 i want to be patient here um i do want to get short dwac but i'm waiting for the right time stock is massively overvalued i know it's a cult stock um you know obviously you know, diehard Trump supporters are, are willing to buy this at any price, and that's fine. Um, but I think there's going to be a big valuation shock once the uh, deal details come out and the valuation details come out. So I'll wait for that to, to happen before I go short. I mean, for those who remember Lucid, <clears throat> pretty much the exact same thing happened. Lucid ran from 10 to 65 before the deal d details dropped. Then the deal details dropped, and it dropped from 65 to, like, 30 within a session and a half so you know i think there's going to be a similar type big drop for dwac i'm not rushing into puts right now the relative strength is, is crazy i don't want to you know fight uh, the move right now but once this gets over 100 maybe pushes 110 once it starts getting close to those all-time highs i'm going to start looking at that you know the launch date was supposed to be february 21st but it's been kind of revised to the quote unquote end of the quarter. So we'll see if they actually end up launching on the 21st or if they push that launch date, maybe to the end of the quarter in March. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens there. But um, yeah, I want to play these on both sides, right? Like I like playing the run up and the downside on the run up on DWAC. I haven't played DWAC itself. I've been playing CFVI and fun as sympathy trades. I think they give you better entries because they lag the move a bit. 
Um, and, you know, obviously the contracts aren't as jacked up on IV as DWAC contracts are. You know, whenever I see a, a play that's super jacked up on, on IV and, and all the premiums are inflated, I try to look for sympathies instead. Um, you know, for example, with Amazon last week, right, like instead of playing Amazon outright, you could have played XLY where the premiums were much cheaper. Amazon makes up 22 percent of that index. Um, so you, there's always an exposure you can find. And, and this is, I think, a really good tip for new traders. If there's a if there's a play that's running, that's blowing up and the contracts are super inflated and you don't want to chase it or overpay, look for another play that is likely to run as a sympathy or look for an ETF where that stock you're trading is a major component of the ETF. And that's a way you can get indirect exposure to the stock without overpaying for contracts, without chasing the move. So, you know, that's sympathy trading in a nutshell. But, uh, you know, it's that's the sympathy trading is the easiest, most straightforward way to not have to chase moves, to not have to overpay for contracts um, and to not have to, like, put yourself in a risky entry situation. So, you know, try to build a watch list, you know, for new traders, try to build a watch list where you have plays that are listed with their sympathies so that when you see the primary play running, you immediately know what to buy to get exposure. Um, and if you do that over time and you build a watch list of 20 or 30 different sympathies, you can literally eat your bread and butter from that list alone. Um, you know, for, for many years, all I did was sympathy trade. So if you're, you can get to the point where that's all you need to do. It's a strategy that's completely self-sufficient. If you build enough of these sympathy, um, plays up and you, and you know, and, and you know enough of them where you can react decisively and immediately. So yeah, with DWAC, that's fun. And CFVI, we've seen those move today in response to it, also in response to their own catalyst. Um, and you know, there, there's those types of plays in every single sector. So, you know, be aware of those, try to build a watch list that, that allows you to sympathy trade effectively. It, you, you won't regret it. Perfect. Okay. I think with that, um, we're going to go around, just start giving people um, some final comments, thoughts, if they want to weigh in on that. If there's, you know, another topic they want to throw in on, any of the trades I made, uh, we'll go through those. TSDR, I did see that you came up. I uh, just wanted to see if there's anything that you wanted to add in here. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, t today morning was, was pretty awesome. I mean, a lot of stocks re respected their their breakouts on, on daily levels. Um most notably was the uh, Unity software trade. Um, I thought it was it was pretty easy how it was how it held for the first about five minutes, and it kind of had this back and forth battle between the bulls and the bears. Really low volume, uh, and that indicated to me. So I took it um, for those of you guys that, that are in the Discord. I took it a little bit anticipatory uh, before my, my my trigger on the daily chart, and that was because this first candle was was such low volume that to me it indicated a bit huge lack of sellers uh, right away in the morning. Uh, so it, it, it kind of confirmed my bullish thesis almost for the day, or at least um, didn't confirm a bearish uh, you know, counterpart to it. So I, I took a trade on Unity Software pretty early on. Um, I thought the the options on, on the 115 calls were, were really cheap relative um, to, to some other ones. And just in general, uh, for the uh, ATR that it has, average true range of ten dollars. Um, I thought going, uh, you know, a little bit out of the money was 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 pretty easy to do. Anyways, took this trade that ended up going, running really hard, um, and then you know, kind of sat on my hands for for the next hour. 
um, as we kind of, you know, made a good move, used up a lot of range on the indexes and on a lot of the stocks and just kind of sat back and, and watched, you know, are we going to get some levels to hold, you know, what, uh, or are we going to pull back and, 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 and roll, you know, roll red um and you know we never really got a, a decisive hold and follow through and continue to trend um so i started looking to initiate some shorts and um earlier in the morning at about 10 25 to 10 30 a.m we got a nice bounce on spy off the lows of about four or five minute candles uh from me yeah, at 10 20 a.m to uh, 10.35 a.m. We got a pretty decent move on SPY for about $2. And I was looking for things that weren't uh, participating. And what stood out to me was Tesla and Rivian were not participating in that, that 15, 20 minute SPY move off the lows. Um, so I, I was hunt stocking Rivian for a short, ended up uh, entering $57 puts, uh, which I'm still in the majority of them. I wish I would have taken Tesla. That would have been a really an easier trade um, because it just went very quick. Um, but but Rivian really didn't participate in, in, in the move at all. So I, I, I truly felt that we were going to make a nice move lower. Technicals uh, were on my side. Uh, once we broke below the $60 level um, and $59 level were, were the two I'm watching. And we're still grinding down below that, continuously making uh, lower highs on, on this Rivian chart, um, which I'm I'm really excited about. I might swing some of this short position because I was watching the, the level two and the time and sales on it, and you can notice sometimes if a stock is being propped up, um, it, it's kind of uh, I mean this is kind of long winded, but I'll be very brief. Um, it was holding the sixty dollar level very well, but suspiciously because. Every time it would get a pop up, pop up into like sixty dollars and twenty cents, sixty dollars and thirty cents, it would get immediately brought back down to that sixty dollar level so quickly that um, you can kind of tell um, that if it's being propped up, if someone is you know building a short position in, in a stock like this by by looking at the level two and the time and sales. And to me, it, it was really obvious uh, that that is what's happening. Obviously, you know, we will never know. But um, I, I, from my experience, I believe that's what was happening, that someone was propping the stock up above $60 so they could build a, a short position in, in this. Um, most notably, back a few weeks ago or a few months ago, this was happening with uh, ASAN at the $100 level. It was being propped up over $100 for a couple hours and, um, and then eventually broke down and just flushed very, very quickly. Um, so I think... I think that's what was happening. I'm, all, I'm still in a majority of my, my Rivian short position. Um, I also just initiated a Roblox short trade uh, as we went uh, green to red on it. I'm going um, to look for a little bit of a bigger move. I'm in the $62 puts on that. I think we've got a big level here where if it breaks, I think we can see $60 uh, sometime this afternoon. Um, but, um, you know, to, today was really proven that it's a – it's a market of stocks, not a stock market, because a lot of these stocks were running independently uh, of the indexes. I mean, SPY has a $4 range uh, from low to high, and it's trading very tightly. It looks like we're breaking down on the lows right now. Um, but we really had no very little range on SPY and the Qs you know, so far this morning. And if you were really waiting for SPY or the Qs to make a move and to, to trade your individual stock, you were going to be left, left behind because these were making moves independently of the indexes, which I really like to see. That's, that's, what, that's what I prefer. Uh, it 
makes for easier trading, in my opinion, because then once the indices uh, get on your side uh, and, and start to perform in the direction that, that the stocks are performing, then that's when you can get a really massive move in the direction and really quick volatile move up or down uh, and really benefit your trade. Uh, I know that was kind of long winded. Um, I just wanted to get on here and kind of analyze uh, a couple of things that I, that I noticed. And uh, I think there's still some opportunities uh, for some trades to the short side this afternoon um, if, you, if you get some solid entries. All good, man. Appreciate you coming up and sharing that. We'll be keeping an eye on those throughout the day and also watching some of the plays that you'll be dropping in Stock Talks Discord. Okay, let's keep it rolling. Any closing thoughts from yourself, Matt? There needs to be a quicker way to go from the lock screen to opening your phone. Like, don't blink when you're trying to get back on the mic. There's always a five-second delay. Everybody knows the the, the, the hiccup, right? Um, so you have to open my phone, don't blink, get in the Twitter, get in the thing, push the button, then unmute. So that's always the five seconds of, of dead air here, so apologize for that. My final thoughts are, um, let me turn music down. You know, things are things are kind of realizing what I, I was saying earlier this morning, that, that trick I was telling you guys about that number in the VIX, I wasn't lying. Uh, if you jotted it down, you'd see exactly that behavior right now. I mentioned bull trap, very, very, very much what happened. Uh, not really, you know, market is non-directional right now, and all we're experiencing is instantaneous volatility. You see that a lot of times. On this particular level, um, it's a very simple calculation that we do, but that number is very important, that 2297. I think I shared it with the group. And the minute VIX was playing around there, got a, a couple of ticks away, and then VIX just took off, and all the market just started pulling down. There's a lot of major stocks we're looking at today. A lot of bearish setups, a lot of bull set setups broke out. The majority of things are kind of balanced. Um, so I think in general, you know, the market is going to pull back a little bit for the rest of this week and probably next we need to get through some very major earnings. I think next week is like Pepsi and Coke and NVIDIA and um, some big ones. So, But after that, I think we kind of coast. And as long as the market hasn't, and I say the market, as long as the S&P, because really, in, in general, we need to kind of zoom out and look at the entire the entire stock market. Um, the I guess the broader market and not just S&P stocks, but the Russell itself as well. Um, I think we need to kind of you know, you know, lay out some groundwork at about that 435 level of the S&P. And I think the combination of two or three bad major um, large cap earnings will probably kick us there. But I, I honestly am one of the proponents of that being really this bottom of what we're looking at this, the, the entire, you know, last month we had probably realizes in a week or two. In a week or two, I want to say maybe a week, we're going to know if the stock market's collapsing or not. Um, I don't think it's going to consolidate low and stay low. I think that um, with the way Treasury notes are looking and the way that everything is kind of steering, steering out uh, into this direction right now is that I don't I don't think that, you know, we were talking about the 10 year a little bit ago. I don't think that that's an attractive trade uh, in a period of inflation. Um, if the Fed is acknowledging improved labor markets and we're going to see kind of, you know, growth and production and things like that, you're going to start to see um, natural inflation take over from this cost push inflation, which is going to not make fixed income an attractive bet, which means the only thing left besides crypto is equities. And so in that particular sense, as long as we can get through the first rate hike and there's a good narrative like Peter and that stock talk and others were saying, uh, and we don't find lower lows after this week, the market is probably not going to find lower lows, period, because cash is a worse option and fixed income is a worse option than stocks that are selling off. People would rather take the loss there 
then they'd like to put their money into an inflating cash asset, right? So my macro theory is that we bounced, or I guess technical theory to go with the macro is that if, if we don't pass through 435 after a week of bad earnings, you know, NVIDIA is going to be very sensitive to crypto, right? Um, that's one thing to watch. The Bitcoin price is going up and it attracts more miners, more miners buy more graphics cards, um, which is a great, you know, correlation between the two. But however, with a shortage, all it does is drive the graphics card prices up on the secondary market, which doesn't necessarily affect the throttled sales that NVIDIA would have. So we're not like in that kind of what they call the crypto winter state where, you know, bad crypto, bad NVIDIA and vice versa. Um, but we're going to be in kind of a, a weird thing that if NVIDIA doesn't show sales could imply that miners aren't necessarily as active as they want to be um, and all the different effects in crypto aren't going to be as bullish for that. So I think the response we're having in crypto is also temporary. And I think really the only place left is equities. And there's really nothing else that people, you know, tried and true. People get their jobs back. They put their money in stock market. When do you guys buy stocks? That's what my 401k bought. So um, I feel like as people get back to work and things start to improve in that sense, um, and we start to kind of naturally have production increase bigger and bigger and transportation increase and Aussie bond locking just makes the stock market go up. At least the index goes up. So my thought is if earnings doesn't prove that we go lower, then there's nothing else that's going to prove that we go lower. There's nothing else coming. Um, so as long as we ward off the first bad quarter, I think this is the start of probably the biggest bull market our generation has actually seen. So we'll check it out. Loving the sentiments. Appreciate you being on here, Matt. If anybody's not already checking out Matt, he's got multiple challenges running right now. He's an active futures trader. He has some really cool hedging stuff. A great follow. Let's get Matt up to, is it 6K? Yeah, we're getting close. Throw in the follow. Thank you, guys. Okay. Appreciate it. Of course. All right, Gerg, kind of joined during closing comments. Have you made any moves in the market today or got any thoughts you want to share? Yes, yeah, so boys. So far, nope, nothing. Just like last week, right? Last week I said I'll wait till Friday to make any big moves. I think I might move this to Friday of this week because I think at this point, I don't think anyone has any, any clue, right? No one seems to know what's going to happen. So it's better to wait it out. The people I know that are 30, 40 of experience in the market, they still have no clue what's going to happen. So all of them seem to be on their hands. So I think I might do the same for now. But one thing, one trade I saw in the morning that was very, very weird was IRBT. Do you guys know about that? So IRBT is iRobot, and these guys have earnings on Thursday. Right now, the equity is 60 bucks, but someone bought them big for 80 calls for Friday. So someone wants a 30% move just to break even. So I was just looking at it right now. So IRBT. 80 call for Friday, and they have earnings on Thursday. I see the 80 calls for Friday, but it looks to me like they may have come in as a spread because I see that they also got 57 puts. Um, maybe not they're different buyers, though, right? Different yeah. 80 calls, so too far out. Okay. Yeah, interesting. 80 calls for the week. And this What's, is at a 52-week low end. I don't like the stock. I think the stock is still expensive at 25 times earnings for our, our, our robot company. So, Yeah, this is this could definitely go lower. Um, I mean, Long term, in, I would probably buy this at 
30 bucks. That's a 50% move on the downside from this. But the only reason I'm looking at this is for the call. Okay. Yeah, I see that unusual activity. Okay. Anything else? Sure. I was looking about Facebook. Facebook hit the new 52-week low again. You, you see, the rule of thumb is three days for most funds. But for me, I love to go a week after long to buy the dev. But Facebook seems very, very cheap to ignore for me right now. But I would bet they when this day. We might even see 200 bucks for Facebook. The other big move you saw in the morning was CFVI. So CFVI is back, merging with Rumble. And Rumble offered Joe Rogan 100 million over four years. And the SPAC should net them around 400 million. So these guys are pledging one fourth of the total raised capital to acquire Joe Rogan. So I think that's a dumb decision. They just spent too much. If they had 2 billion, a billion, you might think, oh, 10% of the total amount, that's normal. But 25% to acquire Joe Rogan. I think they're overpaying a lot, right? I think they need to focus. It also, yeah, it also would be more than the the hundred million because they would have to get him out of the deal. Yeah, so for that, that right, for him to break yeah, the deal, just you have to pay a termination fees. I'm I'm pretty sure. Like the deal isn't public. We know the amount was on hundred million, but for him to leave, that seems like uh, I don't think that will happen. Cause Spotify, I don't think they will let him go. Right, he's the most listened to podcast in the world. Like he gets. Then times people on CNN and Fox News every single day. So I don't think Spotify will let them go. But if they are paid enough and there's a clause in the uh, contract, then let's say he can buy like, buy him out like one fifty million, and all of that money goes to Spotify, not Jorogan, right? He loses money on that. And on top of that, I think this is an excellent marketing trick for Rumble, as I don't think he will leave. So. Credit on their part, but other than that, I don't, I don't see that happening for now unless they raise the price and offer to buy him out of the contract. Yeah, I think uh, those were a lot of things that we were kind of similarly assuming uh, with CFEI. But okay, awesome, guys. Appreciate the insight there. Uh, going to keep it rolling because they do have a call coming up in about 15 minutes and just want to make sure we hit on everybody. Danny, any thoughts you would like to share with us? Uh, yeah, just um, we're seeing obviously some weakness on SPY here uh, from that 450 level. We did have a FIB cluster there that we failed at. So what I would suggest is just to be cautious. If we fall below 443.80, then we could see another wave C to the downside. Um, and on, you know, prior week's calls, I, I've been saying that, you know, we had an ABC retracement down to 420. Then we had a counter trend rally, ABC retracement back up to 457. And now with that gap down on Thursday, uh, that 618 retracement at 453.15 is, is really acting as resistance here. So we need to get back over 453 to get that bullish hat back on. But right now with weakness under 450, I think... The conviction to me is more to the downside um, with this completed ABC um, counter trend rally back to the upside. So I think for me, it's more looking at seeing can we hold for 
so 443 on SPY. And very similar to the Qs, uh, we're sitting on top of a 456-1618 FIB extension uh, to the downside. So uh, if we fail there, then I think we revisit the lows back from the third at at 352. Uh, And then honestly, from there, it looks very similar to SPY. We could see another uh, flush down to the downside. Um, so yeah, I think it's really right now just focus on those individual names. Um, you know, Jets is looking pretty good. XBI is looking pretty good. And obviously the individual names that we've been mentioning all day, but you know, we hit those highs and now everything is coming back down. You know, D dog was at 161. It's now at 152. So glad I sold my portion up there. Um, wish I would have sold a little more, but so goes the market. It's really just keep looking at you know where the relative strength in the market is. You know, continue to watch the flow, but you know it's still very risky holding trades overnight. It's still very risky, you know, swing trading in this environment. I, I think there's still a lot of issues going on with COVID, with what's going on in Eastern Europe. Um, there's just so much noise right now that you just have to focus on those individual names with relative strength, and uh, and you should be fine. But you know, we also are seeing a lot of overnight moves too, so it, it makes chasing these gap ups even that much more difficult and uh, of course i would never suggest uh to chase and then obviously we're still in the midst of earnings season so just be very conscious not only of the names that are having earnings but like sector earnings and i always use the example of amd and nvidia you know if a if you're holding nvidia and amd has earnings it's going to affect that stock so you have to really do your due diligence you have to do your homework you have to make sure that whatever you're holding make sure that there's not a like stock sector having earnings as well because you can see sympathy plays both to the upside and to the downside so uh, very curious to see uh, Disney's earnings today um, I, I'm not in it either way uh, but uh, yeah I think uh, it should be some interesting earnings this week and next week and uh, we'll take it from there but uh, always appreciate you having me on this call it's a great way to kick off our Monday uh, and everybody in the audience please make sure to follow everybody on this panel uh, the the knowledge that is shared every single space is is just magical it really is uh, kind of like Disney it's a magical place so uh, thanks for having me up here appreciate everybody up here appreciate everybody in the audience t- tuning in and uh, I'll catch you on the next space Perfect. Appreciate you being on here, Danny, and thank you for all that you have shared. SoFlo, any closing comments? Yeah, no, that was that was great. I'll keep it short, short since you have a call coming up. Um, but I, I do want to say, guys, that um, I think the past few days and, 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 and also in these upcoming weeks, you should definitely change your approach to how you attack the market. You know, last year you could have woken up and been like, let's make a big bag today in the market and have that type of, you know, mentality where you're just super eager super excited uh but i think the most important thing to do is just be patient you know be patient for whatever confirmation that you like to wait on uh you know you need to make sure that your system is able to back you up in these types of markets as well uh, one thing that stock talk said today that was uh, honestly I, I wish i could quote it but uh, one of the best ways to grow as a as a newer trader is just as you learn something new go look it up go see what you know what is this you don't even need to know everything in depth you can just kind of start you know 
getting the edges of it and then putting it and adding it into your trading system. Um, you know, on top of that, swinging is always a difficult thing to do these days. Uh, but with that being said, you know, it's, it's in my opinion, as well from like a macro economics level uh we're i feel like we're giving a little too much credit to the fed right now i'm not saying you know what they do is not important obviously it is uh but i do think you know everyone's waiting on you know numbers to come or what the fed's decision is when in reality you know a big reason why a lot of these names are getting hit is due to the supply issues right so um i think don't overcomplicate. you know what you're listening to eliminate the noise and just you know keep it simple right uh, you don't need to overcomplicate what you're doing. Just you know, keep it simple. Do what works for you, and uh, just focus on staying consistent. There's no reason to uh, approach the market the same as you have the past two years. Uh, you know, every market's different, and you just have to be a student to it. But I appreciate Wolf for hosting this and stock markets and stock talk as well. So uh, take care, guys, and have a wonderful day. Awesome, appreciate you being on here, SoFlo. Thank you. Okay, stock talk. Any closing remarks? No, I mean, you know, I think most of my remarks today have been pretty, pretty um, general and overarching. I think, you know, you, you have to have some kind of awareness about monetary policy to trade in this climate. Um, you know, it's, it's vitally important in order to make the right decisions rotationally and to look for the right sectors to play. Just keep, you know, grinding. If you're somebody that's having trouble in this climate and, and, you are feeling like it's it's hard to trade successfully you know you're not alone it's a hard market it's a very choppy market um, but that's why you have to be nimble and flexible you have to be able to be willing to rotate your portfolio accordingly move your exposures you should be hedged whether you're long or short that's not financial advice it's just logic um if you know in a market like this if you're net short you got burned last week. If you're net short, especially in, in a short-term perspective, you got burned last week. You know, shorts and bears won't admit that, but anybody who is net, you know, net short or, or completely in puts last week got destroyed. Um, same thing with this morning. You know, if you if you walked in and slapped puts at the open, you, you have to, like, be patient and let this price action play out. You know, the first hour of the session pretty much for the last two months has been super choppy. And so – you know, I haven't been personally taking positions of the first hour of the session unless I take a pre-market position um, just to kind of gauge sentiment for the day. Uh, and, you know, you have to be aware of these rotationary pressure, ro rotational pressures and you have to be aware of, you know, how monetary policy is impacting stocks. So if you're somebody that isn't aware, um, educate yourself. You'll have a much easier time trading this market. I'm not saying it is an easy market, but you'll have an easier time trading the market if you're aware of those things, um, and you'll have a better understanding of why certain stocks are moving and why others aren't. Perfect. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that these spaces are a great way to you know, supplement what you just talked about, which is just you know continue being open, learning, taking in information, adjusting, adapting. This market moves very quickly. You know, if you're a long-term investor, we have spaces for that. If you're short-term, we have spaces for that too. Uh, but I think you made it earlier. Note: it never, never hurts to learn and to bring in something new. It's not going to de be detrimental to your investment style. Okay, uh, Tara, do you want to throw any uh, closing words in here? I do, but I'm. Uh, I can barely talk. My voice is almost gone. I just want to say thank you, guys. I appreciate you doing these spaces and being able to be here and be a part of it. So thank you, guys, so much. Absolutely. My voice Thank is you. awful. <laughs>
<laughs> no Sorry, worries. Wolf. Yeah, no, I totally, totally been there. No, sometimes it just goes. Uh, okay. Then with that, we're coming hopefully to not talk. COVID. That's all. I'm hoping it's not COVID, but I'm oh, so please. sick. It's bad. But hey, it makes trading fun. I can just have an excuse to sit here and do nothing and and look at my my portfolio all day. There you go. They never need a reason to do that. That's that's the that's the normal around here. Uh, okay, stock market news coming to you, uh, my co-host. Any closing remarks? Um, not too much. I'll keep it brief. Big shout out to everyone who came in, all the speakers who really uh, helped us make this spaces so great and, and informational each and every week. So thank you to everyone for that. Uh, thank you to everyone for coming in and, and really getting some value out of the spaces, you know, and, and all the messages that we've been getting uh, around it. It's what makes it worth it. So very, very glad to hear that all of you guys are taking some guys and girls are taking some value out of it. Uh, Make sure you're checking out all of our speakers. I want to give a special shout out to Bullish Rippers, the Green Raccoon up here. Uh, we got another spaces coming later today. I believe it is the next space. Wolf uh, is grinding doing so many of these, so we might have snuck another one in there in the next three hours. But we will be live from that account at 3 p.m. Eastern today with a little bit of a power hour session. We got a fantastic crew coming for that. So uh, I'm excited to be back on spaces then. Big shout out to Wolf Financial for always putting on top class spaces. If you enjoy it, if you enjoy spaces, which clearly do, you do, you are in here. As we've gone through wrap-ups, we still got 460 people. Wolf Financial is, is a must-follow for you. You're going to see these spaces all the time at your top of your timeline. And, yeah, you're going to love it. So big shout-out to him. Big shout-out to all our speakers. Make sure you're checking all of them out. Uh, big shout-out to Stock Talk. Uh, and, and, yeah, back to you, Gov. Perfect. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. You know, we'll be on spaces a ton just so everybody knows, the next uh, – I actually have four more spaces today that I'm going to be doing. So this is just one of five today. So I've added actually one to the week. So we're now at 22 for the week. Um, but the next one that I will be doing is going to be in an hour and a half, and that's going to be a discussion on Bitcoin along with the Bitcoin spot. You all have probably seen them. They do spaces all day on that. We have a really stacked lineup. We have some people from Hedgeye that are going to be there, Veilshire Capital, um, and more. And then at 3 p.m. EST every Monday, and you will want to be there. We do Power Hour with Bullish Rippers. You can see the Bullish Rippers account up here. It's the Green Raccoon. Definitely be following that account. Every Power Hour that we have done with that account has been green. We're going to be looking for a continuation. We've thrown out some great plays. We'll have a stack panel on that. Um, several people that are up here, including others, Sarge, Brad Freeman, Catherine Ross, Exclusive Trading. Uh, the Stocksman will be on there. So that will be an awesome Power Hour 3. Then at 7 p.m. EST, I'm doing a NFT space on how to build an organic community. Uh, I think people, you know, the powerful thing nowadays is actually building it from the ground up and not just, you know, throwing in a whole bunch of influence. And so we have some cool speakers that will be on that. Alex Stemp, who has almost 20 million on TikTok. Uh, Legend, some of you all know him as Post, at Legend. Cross is going to be on there. Uh, he's got a board ape as his profile picture. And I'll be co-hosting that with Ask Dash and Wall Street Memes. Uh, Stock Market News, maybe you'll hop in too for a few minutes. We will be doing a giveaway. Uh, we bought a bull over the weekend, a NFT Wall Street bull, and we'll be giving that away. I think it looks pretty cool. And then at 9.30 p.m. EST, I'll be back on with actually a pretty stacked lineup. Um, I won't be hosting. Uh, I will just be a speaker on this, but this is going to be with uh, – this account is called Gandalf underscore NFT. And honestly, just a very stacked lineup. Uh, I think, Tara, you're going to be on that. Uh, at 9.30 p.m. EST tonight. Keith, KO Kid will be on. NFT Update will be on there. Commander Crypto. 
uh, Steve Ryan online and Adele D Meyer will be on that with us. And that will be uh, kind of like a marketing space uh, around marketing with influencers. So plenty to go on for today. Again, if you want to be added to our spaces calendar and join 3000 plus other investors, all you have to do is DM me your Gmail and I will add you to that ASAP. I see there are some people already kind of in that queue and I will get them on there. And as long as you're following myself and the other co-hosts, you'll see most of our spaces at the top of your timeline. That will be it for today. We ran almost three hours to start off the week. Knew this one was going to be a great one. Hope you all made some money. A lot of the plays that were thrown out today uh, did have some nice moves, especially the ones very early in the beginning where we were calling out CFEI, DWAC, um, calling puts out on Facebook and other areas. So really liked everything we had going on. Uh, I will at the end of this, I'll, I'll give it the 10, 15 seconds stock talk uh, so that everybody hears us actually saying goodbye. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to be it for today. See you all in about an hour and a half for some chat on Bitcoin. Take care, everybody.